to Nerdy Show's 2012 Final Boss. Hi, I'm Cap. I am Hex. I am Brandon. I'm John. Hey, I'm Colin. And we have an unusual setup this time around. We, we have do. Colin in the studio yes. and Hex via Skype. <laughs> they traded places I'm for a day. There. I'm not even in the same time zone. Yay. Hooray for holiday travel. The final boss is Nerdy Show's annual event where we list the top 20 nerdy things of the year. We've been doing this since 2009. Humble beginnings, as with uh, all things Nerdy Show. But uh, over time, we've really defined and refined what we qualify as a, as a nerdy thing. See, what's great about this list is it makes no goddamn sense. It, uh, we, we compare everything. Like, this isn't a top album list. This isn't a top scientific achievement it's list. It's not a top video game list. No. no. It's all of them it's smashed into one. All of them. We have to judge uh, movie releases to scientific discoveries that could change the shape of everything. Um, so it's very, very, very hard to make this list and, uh, and always interesting to see what makes the list. In, in fact, we ought to say, you know, how we, uh, how we come to the decisions on this list. It's sort of a, uh, a method where you say, um, how do you feel about, uh, bubblegum and, uh, uh, Robocop? Which do you, which, which is nerdier, bubblegum or Robocop? Robocop. And clearly it's bubblegum and that makes the list. What? So that's what we do. No. Right. And then, then, then we just keep comparing it either or <laughs> miniature battles. And then once we see everything that we've put down via those battles, then we, in an overview perspective, are able to see if we've made some mistakes and shuffle things around. And, and then every, we, every yeah. now and then someone will jump in like me and say, well, what about these two items we didn't consider? And they're like, oh, now we have to reconsider everything. And then which one makes us tribute harder onto mm -hmm. the screen? Uh, that That's what makes it to the top Tribute 20. contest still going, by the way. That's Colin right. and Brandon, everyone. <laughs> Internet perverts. Professional. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to start this off by listing a few noteworthy things that didn't make it into our list, either things that uh, are interesting but haven't really come to fruition yet or just, you know, nerdy but not quite the qualifier. <clears throat> Starting things off, we got SciTech. This year, the Curiosity Mars rover was a success. The first time we've had a Mars rover that actually did what it was supposed to do. Succeeded. Yeah. But Mars is old news. Mars now. is old hat now. <laughs> uh, now we tell there's some goddamn... People on the Mars, I wanted to hear about it on my list. In the meantime, we've got some really kick-ass desktop backgrounds. Uh, Felix Baumgartner <laughs> broke the sound barrier via his body of a free fall, and this is part of the Red Bull Stratos publicity stuff. Oh, I, th I thought he ran really fast. Well, now I'm <laughs> not as impressed. Dick first. He fell dick first. <laughs> well, you know, he's got the, his, his dick, he's got like, it's aerodynamic, and so it's, and so it's like, just going, Whoosh. yeah, exactly. So that's, it's, it's because it was an important is, part of the suit and the research will actually influence the way NASA designs spacesuits with huge cod pieces. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Okay. Um, uh, a weird hoax uh, happened this year. The Rayfish Company, uh, who were making genetically engineered Stingray leather shoes, um, and then were robbed and had their genetically engineered rays dumped into the ocean. Uh, turns out none of that existed. Oh, that was fake? I didn't it even was, know that. It was all an Including elaborate hoax. Including the reports that came later of people finding them in the wild. It was all just CG and um, actors. Well, now and, and we don't know why. We have no idea why they did this. I'm guessing that it was promotion. I think it was actually run out of Next Nature. Yeah. Specifically, which is weird because they actually like report on real news most of the time. But apparently they also make up fake news. It was a, so uh, a, take that as you will. A beautiful kind of real life piece of future tech fiction uh, written into reality. Uh, Once we'll again, not we'll, real. Yeah, we'll have links to where you can check that out. Um, and then also, this is a this is a fail on the list. Uh, Sopa. 
Um, well, it's a win for us and a fail for them. Uh, the, the you know the idea that uh, many the fact large that it even exists makes it a fail. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Sopa and many things like it, Acta, and there's been others since then. But the real achievement here is that uh, the community of internet users, nerds, and soccer moms alike decided that they you know didn't want to have their decisions and web browsing influenced by major corporations. Yeah. Who who created Sopa, by the way? A bunch of dinguses. That's who. Okay. Well. They fail. <laughs> they have failed. The creators of it fail. Yes, they fail. We win. Ha ha. In video games, uh, Ouya had tremendous success on Kickstarter. It's a, uh, a, a gaming platform, a home console made for any developers and people who want basically the Android equivalent of a gaming console. Yep. I got it. I got it. I, it's coming in the mail. Nerdy Show also has an Ouya to, to, to yeah. test out. But what we don't know. And I do too. So, like, <laughs> we are all going to have Ouyas. We have to trade, like, our names and shit. We, we all bought into the hype. Now we. We'll find out in 2013 whether or not it was shit. worth a damn. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's just going to be like a hack Dreamcast. That's all it's going to be. It's just the same thing. I'm sold. I want one now. I didn't want one before, but now that it's a hacked Dreamcast... You can I'm do just... anything with it. Let's get some C-Man. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually didn't know that it was called an Ouya. I thought it was like, oh yeah, like, uh, and the, <laughs> you know, like in the Donkey Kong, you know. Oh yeah. Well, or like, you know, in the, oh yeah. Dun, 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 you know, <laughs> oh. in the Donkey Kong Country thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no, ooh yeah, Colin. Okay. Ooh, ooh yeah. All right. Ooh yeah. Ooh yeah. Ooh yeah. Um, and the other cool thing about it is, though, is that the entire thing, they're like pretty much publishing the specs for and letting you develop for free, pretty much. So that's going to be crazy. It could be a good thing. I'm excited about playing uh, indie games on it. So we'll see how we'll, well see Square if Square Enix out. signed up for it already, too. So heck, we could see that's the ooh yeah on next year's list once we actually are able to gauge the success of it. Yep. Uh, the Wii U came out. We don't have much to say about it. We all played no. it at E3, and um, we're uh, the tech is good, but all the u- utilization of it kind of underwhelming. So Nintendo yeah, there's nothing... just reminds me of the Wii, really. Like none of the third party developers ever actually really it, used the full uh, extent well, of the system. In, in this case, it's actually the first party that's dropping the ball, whereas Ubisoft <laughs> actually has the most successful implementation of the yeah, new zombie technology. U. There you go. That doesn't even make sense. I, I mean, know. I will get cats one. And dogs living together. I will eventually probably get one if a new Zelda game is announced, which it will be. And that's the only reason I'm going to get one. And the, the team behind Aliens Colonial Marines has actually said that the Wii U version is one of their favorites. So oh, cool. I'm, I'm interested in checking that and out. And we were too. totally into that, that game because that game mm-hmm. looked fucking But incredible. so far, it's just a bunch of remakes and, you know, Mario games that don't right. impress yeah. me. Uh, Diablo 3 came out. Yay! Uh, That's either a fail for fifty percent of the fans or a win for fifty percent of the fans. I, I'm, you. I'm in one of the wins because I still play it and I still enjoy it. And uh, one of my favorite games of the year, Arkido's Hell Yeah, Wrath of the Dead Rabbit came out. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Arkido's an indie developer from France, and uh, we met these guys at E3. The game is actually published by Sega, and it's essentially a combination of Earthworm Jim, Sonic the Hedgehog, Drill Dozer, and Metroidvania. It's not that long. I mean, it's a pretty short game, but it's really fun. And the music is incredible. Yeah, and the graphics are, are great. And you, you basically, uh, you're a rabbit who has sexy pictures of you fooling around with a rubber duck in your tub uh, spread all over the uh, whatever the hell's version of the internet is. And you have to kill the 100 people who liked the photo. That's right, because they said that the only way to get rid of something on the internet once it's on the internet is to kill everyone viewing the internet. <laughs> So, okay. uh, it's a, it's an amazing game. If you haven't checked it out, can't recommend it enough. It's v- available on any download platform yeah. you want. Apparently, you can kill green dicks in space. You can. You can. You just show the green dick how lonely he is. <laughs> and uh, steampunk game Dishonored, which is like uh, a sidestep to Bioshock, 
It is. I, I like it a lot more than Bioshock so far. Yeah? Yeah, because I, I think the environment's a little bit more open in the level areas, and I, I just think it's more fun. Yeah, there's, it's, a, there's it's more truly a do. game about exploration. Like, you can do anything you can think of po- possibly can happen in this, mm-hmm. and, and, and all the different level designs in this you game. You want to jump My into Fish's problem body? With it at all is that I feel like the gameplay's a little bit more mechanical than I'd like, but other than that, I mean, you know, like, it's an engrossing story. There's a lot of, like, crazy shit going on. It, it's just, a good, uh... Some tweaks... It's you a good know. prelude until uh, Bioshock Infinity comes out. In print media, we got uh, some sad news this year. Nintendo Power, the uh, the official magazine of Nintendo, and Coilhouse Magazine, one of the uh, great alternative mags of the 21st century, uh, both closed doors this year. Aww. Uh, sad face. Yeah, totally. Uh, Coilhouse um, is actually uh, it's on indefinite hiatus. It could come back someday, but if it does, it's likely to be as uh, a continuation of their blog, which is also closed. Pretty big bummer there. But while those, you know, print magazines seem like they're on the way out, well, that's kind of changing in the comics world. You know, Wizard Magazine shut its doors and good fucking riddance. But uh, <laughs> but this year we got both Bleeding Cool and uh, Mark Millar's Clint Magazine. So though Clint may have been late last year, either way, it shows a, an interesting trend for alternative comic book magazines uh, made for the comic book shelf. Uh, and Bleeding Cool magazine, I can't really endorse enough. There's an incredible interview with Alan Moore in its, fir- in its first issue. Not issue zero. It did have an issue zero. He name drops a comic shop. Oh, awesome. Woo. Yeah, that's, wow. that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Next, next up on the list is Name Dropping Nerdy Show. If we can make that happen, we, we have made it. In actual comics news, My Little po- the My Little Pony comic, uh, issue one is the only issue out so far, it broke records before it was even out. Uh, this, <laughs> this is the comic that, uh, that Triforce Mike, uh, back in January, uh, wrote an article on Bleeding Cool and said, hey, uh, don't you understand this equation here? There needs to be a My Little Pony comic. It would be the most successful thing ever if you did it. Guess what? Mike was right. Oh, it's a shame. He should have been in marketing. <laughs> well, um, IDW took Mike's article to heart and did, in fact, you know, create this comic, and it it actually outsold many uh, of the main comics for the the month that was coming out. Uh, it's the first time that a licensed comic, as in from a property outside of comic books, has made the top ten uh, wow. in, in like a decade. That's awesome. Other comic shoutouts: Paul Cornell's Saucer Country. It's it's been a while since we had some good paranormal stuff, like you know, since the X Files ended. Uh, Paul Cornell's Saucer Country it, uh, is an incredible comic. Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns came out this year. Really uh, incredible reinterpretation of Batman's origin. If you're sick of seeing Batman's origin redone, well, this is probably the one you've been waiting for. It's very different. Valiant Comics, a small comics company from back in the '90s, returned out of nowhere, and instead of sucking as most of their comics did back in the day, they're actually quite <laughs> awesome, uh, including Exo Manowar, Harbinger, and other titles. Before Watchmen was uh, upset a lot of people and uh, because, you know, Alan Moore had nothing to do with it and was more or less against it. However, uh, it's done by some really incredible creators. And personally, I've read all of them so far. Was it good? Because I haven't read it yet. They are quite good. Is it Watchmen caliber, would you say? Yeah, most of it is. Um, And what isn't is still fun. It's really fun to see more about these characters and revisit everything that happened before the main events of Watchmen. Um, Minuteman, uh, Silk Spectre, and Dr. Manhattan, and Rorschach are my personal favorites. Do we get any fucking? Is there any fucking? There's There's some some boobs in Wiener. It's Watchmen. Come on. Um, What about, is there some blue dick? I want some blue dick. No, there's blue dick. There's plenty of blue dick. All right. As long as there's blue blue dick. It's cancer flavored. And in the world of uh, webcomics, Homestuck completely owned its Kickstarter, a massively, massively successful Kickstarter for Homestuck. A big achievement in webcomics. And as far as comic book fails, 
DC Nation mysteriously disappeared this fall after its return was heavily promoted. It comes back January 5th, but um, we still don't know what happened. Yeah, they, they still haven't said anything on why they mysteriously vanished for a few months. Yeah, we were psyched for more Young Justice. We were psyched for more DC shorts. And some people were even psyched for the Green Lantern cartoon, which Although I hear has I been improving. don't know why. Um, but uh, at, least, at least it's coming back and hopefully nothing's changed. And finally, I don't know if this is a fail or a win. I mean, Rob Liefeld came on uh, to a bunch of new comics in the New 52 this year, and he ruined them. He <laughs> drove them into the ground. Uh, but then he proceeded to make a complete ass of himself, burn a ton of bridges, and leave DC. Well, but, that's a win for everyone else. Yeah. Uh, fail for him, but no one cares. Yeah. Uh, make, of that, make of that what you can. So we're going to cut to a song right now. And when we come back, we're going to start this top 20 list. So this song, I'm just going to let you listen to it, and when we get back, I'll explain why I played it. <laughs> Very well. Here it goes.
that was like big giant circles from his album Legacy, which came out in March of this year. Another album that came out this year also by him was Max Effect, which came out in April. Little known fact of uh, Big Giant Circles, also known as Jimmy Henson, was that he was actually a composer on Mass Effect 2, and Max Effect is actually an album of uh, previously unreleased tracks from Mass Effect 2, which is why, bum -ba -da bum number 20 on this list is Big Giant Circles. Yeah, that, that's on behalf of his Max Effect and Legacy album. Now, now you said you said his name is Jimmy Henson? Jimmy Henson is his real name. Wow. Any relation? <laughs> no. No, Henson, H-I-N. -S -S oh, common misconception. Uh, this year, he also uh, released a preview of an up upcoming album called Pixel Cones, as well as uh, remixes, uh, uh, doing a theme for the podcast Nerd Appropriate. Some remixes for the Loading Ready Run crew, and uh, also doing a original soundtrack for the iOS game Extreme Road Trip Two. So he's uh, he's been a busy guy this year, but the two big things that really uh, stood out were uh, the Mass Effect related music, which just totally blew me out of the water as a total uh, a fan of the Mass Effect music and uh, I actually didn't even know that he was one of the uh, original composers in Mass Effect 2 until I got to actually uh, dig deep into why he made the Legacy album. So what we've got here is an interesting case of a professional composer uh, sort of bouncing between where you might find one of the uh, nerd music tribute composers. Well, Jimmy, uh, Big Giant Circles actually started in the OC Remix community and oh, has since leveled go. up to become a full-on composer. He did music with Mass Effect. By no means was he a main composer. He was an assistant composer. So having his own soundtrack that he's working on is still definitely a step up from not. Moving on, uh, <laughs> number 19. Now, Assassin's Creed 3, uh, you know, there's been a lot of games in the series, so why, why should this be on here? I mean, number two had uh, two additional sequels. Mm -hmm. um, Assassin's Creed 3 even has a, uh, a game that's completely different on the, the Vita. Yeah, it takes place around the, the same time period. So this game takes place before and during the American Revolutionary War. And uh, honestly, if you ask yourself, well, if we dialed back, would any of the other Assassin's Creed games be on the Nerdy Show list since 2009? The answer is probably not. They're all really good, but this one, uh, as an evolution of what they started with the gameplay and the concept of having a historical science fiction game, man, it, it just blows it all out of the water. There were plenty of really good video games that came out this year. The reason why I feel this is in the top 20 is just the scope of the game. The difficulty in making it, designing it, making a huge world, getting you know certain things accurate. It's a really, really well-made game. The music is amazing. It's beautiful. It's fun to play. Also, my favorite thing about this game is the fact that you have to reload a musket very slowly. I never <laughs> thought any video game would ever do that. Like I was waiting for a Call of Duty game set in like you know Civil War or Revolutionary times right. where you'd have to reload a musket that fires once. But no, they won't do that. But they did that in this game, and that ultimately made it one of my favorite games this, this year. This is not just uh, a cool sci-fi game. Uh, it is it is for the history nerds out there. Like, um, whereas in the past, you know, they had um, uh, the time of the Crusades, and they had the Renaissance. 
since this event, uh, the whole Revolutionary War period, is so much closer to where we are now, the level of detail that they're capable of portraying is through the roof. Mm-hmm. So it is, uh, it is very, very impressive. It's for history nerds, it's for sci-fi nerds, and people who love really good video games. And in fact, it, it might even segue into the next game being during modern times, which I don't know how that's going to happen, but we'll see. Or maybe even in the future, we don't know. Or far in the past before mankind. This is true. Anything is and possible. And it's a dinosaur assassin. There, there could be dinosaurs. You don't know I want yet. a dinosaur assassin. It, it's going to lead back into the days of Turok. <laughs> <laughs> Turok. Turok wasn't. It, it's going to be a crossover. That's right. Yeah. No, Turok was, uh, he was an assassin. Well, he's the main character in Assassin's Creed 3. It's Turok. And all the dinosaurs are Templars? Yes. L- l- someone, someone please borrow these ideas. At the, ver- at the very least. I want a new Turok game. That's all I want, damn it. And I, I want I've, it to be good. I've wanted, I've wanted a good Turok game since Turok 3, and it hasn't happened. So hopefully we'll get one someday. <laughs> I just want the cerebral boar back. Number 18 is Brian K. Vaughn's Saga. Brian K. Vaughn is a comics author who you may know from Why the Last Man, easily one of the most important graphic novel series of the last 10 years, and this one is definitely shaping up to be another massively important, at the very least, incredibly fun comic series. Saga is, it's a sci-fi, it's a space opera, but uh, it plays fast and loose with uh, combining sci-fi and fantasy into something kind of, uh, I would say you've never really seen it done this way before. Are there space dragons? There could easily be space dragons. There's there's a spaceship that's a tree. Um, oh, I'm sold. There's a ghost that's a babysitter. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, and and in the first issue, uh, there's there's a bunch of uh, there's two robots fucking that have these kind of pale uh, human bodies, but televisions for heads that uh, that flash images on them sometimes. Nice. Okay. I want a baby babysitters club with uh, the ghosts. I want a ghost she, babysitters she, club. She, she's a cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. She, she's a cute ghost, and her torso's torn out, and her intestines are kind of dangling. Perfect. But are they cute intestines? Sure. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, they're pink, so they're adorable. And there's, uh, in, the, in the most recent issue, there's a bunch of uh, wart-ridden alien giant scrotum. What the yeah. fuck is this thing? I have not read this, and I'm really interested now. It's amazing is what it is. You should get it. It, it sounds like it, it. It's a story of two warring races, um, one that's kind of like uh, got, got ram horns and one that's sort of got fairy wings, and they've been fighting this battle between, uh, between them. One uses science and one uses magic, and uh, then they've been, for centuries, I think, outsourcing their battle to other planets and so on. It's been going on forever. There's a whole war economy in the galaxy based on these two races battling, and two of them end up getting together. Uh, which has never happened before, and they produce an offspring. So they're of interest to everyone, and the whole universe is out to get them, and it's their story. Wow. Okay. All right, I'll check it out. Uh, no, is it in is it in trade form? Uh, first volume is out. All right. And it is at a, I believe it's at a, uh, a price to sell. Um, I think it may be only 10 bucks. Nice. All right. I'll, t- I'll take it. And of course, we'll have, if, the, if any of these things are things that you can personally pick up and check out, we'll have links to where you can get all that on, uh, on this episode's page. Yeah. And buy it through Nerdy Show. Give us a couple cents because that just makes sense, we, right, we, Brandon? We, it, it makes sense. Give <laughs> us cents. We do, we, do get, uh, we do get bonuses for clicking through and buying them through the site. And boners. But uh, don't take my word for it. Number 17. Why, Hex? Number- this is nerd music related. It is. Number 17 is Vert, uh, uh, a.k.a. Jake Kaufman. Also a man who got his start over at OC Remix. Now he's doing full-on fledged, like sexy albums all by himself he did the uh original soundtracks for double dragon neon as well as the adventure time game on the ds 
Hey, Ice King, why'd you steal our garbage? <laughs> is the name of the and, game. Uh, yeah, and both albums are pretty dang amazing. The Double Dragon album has 25 full remixes, as well as a few originals in there, but it's mainly uh, a tribute to the original Double Dragon music. I didn't actually get to listen to the Adventure Time music. How was that, Cap? Oh, it was great. Um, you know, he he took on a completely original look to, uh, or original sound to everything, like, you know, based on the sort of uh, chippy, fun music that you'd find in, in the Adventure Time show, but um, none of his work was derivative of the actual show's music. He um, created everything from scratch, and uh, it's really fantastic. You can listen to all of it on SoundCloud. They posted it all up there. Uh, and if you want to hear a review about that game, that's in our uh, Adventure Time Microsoft published not too long ago. So the Adventure Time, Hey Ice King, Why'd You Steal Our Garbage OST was written and produced, as we said, by Jake Kaufman, a.k.a. Vert, with singing from Tommy Padrini, Christina V, and Jesse Seeley. Uh, in an interview, uh, uh, Vert said that a lot of the soundtrack was actually done uh, through improvisation, just feeling out what felt right for the moment uh, with a lot of different instrumentation. And uh, as we stated, it came out really well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've heard good things about Double Dragon Neon as well. Um, and definitely a fantastic instance of someone from the remix community uh, doing really well for themselves out in the gaming community. Unfortunately, the uh, Adventure Time soundtrack was not available for uh, for download, only for listening on SoundCloud. However, Double Dragon Neon, the entire OST, is available on Vert's Bandcamp for free. Sweet. Coming in at number 16, we have Tom Hanks's Electric City animated web series. You have to explain that to me, because I get to see it. I know, and I'm, I'm, you know what you're thinking. Tom Hanks... That guy's in in movies with heartfelt emotions. I don't want any of that. What's it doing on the list? Mm -hmm. Okay. The last he, movie I saw him in was Big. <laughs> that was pretty good. No, that was a good movie. Okay. You well, didn't see, you didn't see uh, you didn't see the Wilsons. What is that? I don't even. Know. You didn't you didn't see him like a caveman and 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 wanting to fuck a volleyball. He's talking about Castaway. I remember the Burbs. Is that what it's called? The Wilsons. <laughs> the Wilsons. The Wilsons. Yeah, he, I didn't know what He's the hell you were talking Wilsons. about. <laughs> Bro's got a case of the Wilsons. He's got that Wilsons. Okay. <laughs> Wilsons disease. Um, <laughs> electric, you want to fuck a, a volleyball. Or turns you into a volleyball. <laughs> electric City is an incredible, incredible animated series that once I started watching, I could not stop. It is set in a post-apocalyptic future I, that I don't think we've ever seen before. It's sort of a green future. It's one where humanity, after the whatever cataclysm destroyed everything, has rebuilt itself uh, in a, a certain amount of uh, sustainability. So everything's wood and metal. And the only form of uh, telecommunications that they have is all wired, which uh, creates a closed system whereby uh, a power elite of people who actually survive the cataclysm can... Um, They've, they've done a great job of sustaining their world. There's electricity. It's powered by convicts who, ha who ride bicycles in their cells and everything. Um, but, uh, great ideas. But, and, and isn't there a, a sentence uh, depicted by how much energy they're producing, not necessarily uh, the time in which they're spent I, I think so. I think that's how it works, yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they have a closed system. All their, all their communications is wired. Um, so the real um, drama of the series comes from when people who are effectively terrorists in the eyes of this government start producing wireless radio. And Tom Hanks plays uh, an assassin who kills anyone uh, who stands against this government. Uh, he's very, very secretive, very covert. 
it's um the animation's great yeah uh the, the style is incredible and uh, just everything about it is uh breathtaking and i was like jesus christ tom hanks you <laughs> you have this came out of nowhere but man um seriously check it out uh it's and about- he produced it he, like it was it, it, this is from tom hanks it's not just some- well, he's really good at making he made band of brothers i think that was really good no he's an exceptionally great storyteller yeah so this is um I don't like his hair, though. It's just that curly shit. <laughs> well, it's different in the animated series. He kind of looks like a Blade Runner. Well, good. So, <laughs> um, it, it, if you haven't checked it out, just do it. it out. Do it. It's uh, it's it is incredible. It's not very long either. No, it's it's no, it's, no. it's like a short feature length. Um, all all the episodes are very short. If you need to watch it in sittings, you totally can. Be prepared to not want to, you know, yeah. pace yourself. Uh, the first season at least is all done, and I really hope there's more. So now. It's time for a song break. Yeah, well, I talked that Bert's uh, redoing of Double Dragon so much, I felt it was appropriate to just have the title theme as the next song. So here's Double Dragon's title theme by Bert from Double Dragon Neon.
Number 15. Street Fighter Cross Mega Man, a fan-made crossover officially endorsed by Capcom. Brandon's yeah, giving me a look. Some... I, I actually don't know much about this. I've been busy. I can't believe that you have not heard of this. It's yeah, ex explain it, explain this it to me. This is insane. Well, Hex so basically, basically what happened was that fans decided to mash up Street Fighter with Mega Man, and they would take uh, certain characters from Street Fighter and make them into Mega Man-style characters and design whole levels around that character, like Blanca and Ryu and Chun-Li are examples of, of quote-unquote new villains uh, yeah. that Mega Man has so to fight. So they'd, be like, the, they'd be like the Robot Masters, and this is an 8-bit game. Yeah. Yeah. But did this this didn't come out though yet, did it? It is. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Oh, it's so out. it's it's available for like download. It's like PC, right? And it's yeah. free. Okay. Yeah. That's probably why. And, no. and one hundred percent endorsed by Capcom. How long ago has this been out for? Like how long? Uh a, Less a than week. A month. Yeah, oh, okay. Well not that's that long. that's why I don't know that much about it. I've been I've been a little bit busy this but month. It, it was it was a late <laughs> gift on behalf of the twenty fifth anniversary of Mega Man and also the recent twenty fifth anniversary or of uh, Street Fighter. So uh, well, now it, I'm gonna play it. I've I've played it. I have not beaten it, and in fact, um, I I played it for long enough to try out each of the levels and not beat a single one of them. Well, I imagine it's difficult <laughs> using a keyboard on Mega Man instead it, of some sort of gamepad. Yeah, WSD with Mega Man challenging. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that. So. Well, I mean, you can plug in a, a Bluetooth controller. Uh, to I mean, your... you can if you have one. Well, probably I, maybe use a PS3 controller. That the I have. coolest thing that I saw on this game was that the Vega level. At the end, at the end with Vega, it was they mm -hmm. had this giant cage, like similar to his mm -hmm. his, his fight. Yeah, I should clarify. I played all the initial levels. There's stuff like Vega that I wasn't allowed to touch yet. Yeah, so like you know, and 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 when Vega, uh, he climbs up with his claw up onto the cage and drops down and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And Meg Man obviously has to fight him. But when Vega like goes across the screen, he drops like rose petals <laughs> as he like zooms across <laughs> the screen left and right. It's it's oh, that's, do, that's do the awesome. rose petals hurt you? I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I, <laughs> I think don't know. I think they might. I saw some video. Sure of it. I think they that will. they do. It's a Mega Man game. But yeah. So I mean, but it's it's the, incredible. The, the yeah, adaptation. I mean, him, he's in it. I mean, it's he's a. It's that's awesome. The, the adaptation of the trademark Street Fighter moves into Mega Man villain attacks, absolutely insane. It yeah. works so well. Definitely uh, something to check out. I mean, it's free. Why? Why? Why don't you check? Well, it that's out? the first thing I'm going to play in 2013. Then <laughs> after I buy a game pack. And one thing that was interesting about it is that. Uh, there's a video of, of how did this happen? Because it was, it was really the work of one fan who came to Capcom with this and showed them what he was working on, pretty much done already. And they were like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's fucking <laughs> like, awesome. This is a market. We can get more money. Yeah. Um, and there was a, an American Capcom representative who mentioned straight up, a little bit vague, but more or less said you know, straight out, we realize that fans feel like we have been uh, doing wrong by the Mega Man series lately, so this is a great way to apologize for that. Didn't they kill like Mega Man Legends three? Yeah, yeah, that's and why. Mega Man Universe. Well, yeah, no, it's why, but that's he. That's out of his control. Yeah, this no. is this is an American Capcom representative, and that's that's all Japan. Yeah, but they're basically like owning that they have been sucking right. it up and on the Mega right. Man front. They're 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 aware of that, and and as such, are really glad to be able to you know officially endorse this. So this is is this this is officially in continuity now. <laughs> no. In the Mega Man universe? It should be. Yep, it's canon. It's yeah, the canon. Pro the proto the proto men need to uh Burp. You're right. It is it is so canon it's arm canon hex. It's you right. are 100% right. <laughs> the pro the proto men need to add this they into need, their They mythos. just need to have Vega. Yeah. Now in the next step uh, proto man album. <laughs> no, I definitely think Act 3 should be um Street Fighter. They're fighting Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah. It's just called Street Fighter. Act 3 Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all just, you know, rehashes of the the music from Street Fighter. But made awesome. <laughs> okay. Number 14, 
Mass Effect 3. Woohoo! Oh, now this, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Uh, this has been a year of great triumph and drama for all fans of Mass Effect. Yes. Um, it's the, the accumulation of all your decisions you've made so far. Um, Thrown away for one decision. And uh, um, <laughs> uh, uh, before that happens, it's an incredible drama with characters you love and, uh, and many hearts are broken and yes. many tears are, are wept. Um, I cried more times during this game than any other game. We actually had a battle about this, about Mass Effect 3 making it onto the list, and as far as how far it got onto the list, because there were there were a lot of people in the con- in, in when we were discussing this, they were like, no, Mass Effect 3 sucks, the ending sucked, no, 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 don't even have it on the list. Up until the ending, it was one of the greatest experiences in video games that I've ever had in my life. Make no mistake. Yep. The uh, Mass Effect 3's ending, the original ending, and the handling of it is a surefire fail for the top 20 oh, nerdy totally, things. Totally. The game itself, however, especially with the updated ending, is still the achievement it was meant to be. I, yes. I want to point out that I, I still haven't beaten Mass Effect 3, which I'm really glad I haven't because now I can download the, the actual good ending that I've heard so much about. Well, it's not... The better ending. It's, it's better. It's not a great yeah. ending. It's better. Yeah. They fill in, you know, the the gaping, huge, massive holes and everything. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But 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 this game to take you through with a character journey, starting with Mass Effect One, going through Mass Effect Two, and then through Mass Effect Three, and all of the different choices that you make, and all of the different characters that you've interacted with, and and become to uh, love these characters, and then have them have an actual. Uh, true. Even though the ending of the entire story wasn't necessarily satisfying, the ending of the individual characters was very, very, very um, satisfying. <laughs> Unless you did what I did and just, you know, started killing them all off <laughs> so you didn't have to deal with them later. Well, there you go. It'll be a different game for you. <laughs> if you haven't... A much different game. Super emo shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't played uh, any of the Mass Effects yet, they actually all come together in a trilogy now. So don't waste your money yeah, buying them right. individually. Get the trilogy that has like additional content and, well, stuff and all, all the together. expansions. But, yeah, but one through three. For the first time ever on PlayStation, they have Mass Effect One in Which that trilogy pack. Which is amazing, and yeah. it, and it's a bit remade, so it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you've been wanting to see what this Mass Effect thing is all about, there's no better time than now. Yep, to pick it up. No, it's it's. I quite... I was late on the Mass Effect game a train. I hopped on it about a year ago, and I beat Mass Effect One and Two in a week. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I could not put that shit down. Best week of your life. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so what did you choose, Hex? What did you what did you choose? Did you go green, blue, or red? Which pill did you take? Um my original intention was to go green originally, and so I still went that way. I still went with synthesis. Yeah. Synthesis was the uh, the combination of the the uh, uh androids or robots with, with human life organics. Even though, even though that's exactly what Saren wanted, and I felt that doing that is not good, but since the option was either that or destroy the Geth, I'm like, fuck you, I worked so hard to keep those motherfuckers alive. Yeah, Legion was so cool. Seriously. And what about you, John? What did you choose? I think I chose Red the first time. Red? And what did that do? That destroyed the Anderson's yeah. path. Yeah, that destroyed Destroy the, the synthetics. Yeah, because, right. I mean, the way I figured it was was that the Reapers had to go, no matter what the cost. Right. So and that, you know, all, I assume all these are all spoilers for people who haven't played it. Well, <laughs> but to, to a degree, because they represent the, um, 
they represent some of the overarching themes of the game. However, I wouldn't, oddly <laughs> the enough... Ending, the ending is so far removed from anything yeah. to address the game, it doesn't matter. What, what, what John said, all the spoilers are what happens before this point. This yeah. is just some, This is the ending is really a weird afterthought to conclude the whole galactic end of things. Yeah. When Mass Effect I is do. really about personal stuff. I do love in the second round of endings that they did add the no fuck you ending. Um, I'm not doing anything. No, fuck you. To which Harbinger goes, really? No, fuck you. Clearly that's the one I'm going to do now is the fuck you ending because that's what I'm all about. I mean, at that ending, then you just die anyways. I just love how you just shoot him in the head and then he goes, oh. Oh, yeah, the the Reaper noise happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Number 13, The Avengers. The film. What? Uh, it, it's the third highest grossing film ever. Did, and uh, did anyone actually expect the movie to be good before they saw it? Or yeah, I did. You did? Okay. I, did. See, I, I, I expected it to be good. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, same. I, I thought, like, oh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, this is amazing. I mean, it wasn't flawless. No, no, well, nothing's no. flawless. But what movie is flawless? But it was uh, good. The, the Fifth Element. I, I mean, the the biggest <laughs> criticism you can make about the Avengers film is that it hits all the notes. It is yes. like it is scripted and it's predictable. Right. Um, everyone says oh, and I does. It was because of you know rights that Spider Man wasn't in it. Because, well, uh, we'll we'll see if we can change that. We'll see if we. <laughs> they can change said he's that. allowed to be in the uh, next. Because if Iron Man and Banner and and Peter Parker were all like arguing science together. Yeah, there there were some yeah. incredible moments, especially the uh, the Banner Stark moments. Now, Bryn, I, I gotta mean, say this also this also sparked the 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 passion of the the long want now the buddy cop film of Andrew Garfield and Hugh Jackman. I want the Spider Man Wolverine buddy cop movie. That's what I want. <laughs> well, I I may have, either it was a dream or something I imagined, but I was pretty sure I read somewhere that they're trying to get Spider Man yeah. the next like set of Avenger movies. They they are, and I don't know if it's confirmed yet or not. They're definitely working towards it. Is it going to be Andrew Garfield? Yes, uh, Spider Man. Cool. Yes, because the, what's great about the Amazing Spider Man is that uh, it is that the new 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 one. It, it is. Yes. It it, uh, it was a fantastic film, and it did absolutely nothing to make itself feel like it wasn't in the Marvel continuity with the yeah. other films. Yep. Um. Uh, there was there was no glaring weird continuity and consistency there. Uh, one of the the great things about the Avengers is that it did the impossible. I mean, it is it is perhaps one of the most ultimate nerdy things of all time. Yes. you know, like the Avengers has never been a big comic book for anybody, no. but now now it is. And uh, and what's great about it also is not only did it did it rake in, it, it's you know now there's a lot more nerds in the world. Right. This is and this is proof. Um, yeah. Third highest grossing film of all time, but it also honored Brian Michael Bendis's run on avengers the longest run of any single author ever in in comics on on the avengers um and uh, it had lots of lots of notes from his books and his run actually just concluded this december 2012 um so having it all capped off by the release of this film was more than a little incredible that's awesome yeah uh I, what more can we possibly say about it you know it's 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 cool. It's amazing that it happened. No yeah. one ever thought someone could pull off a superhero team movie, and they did. And, and it was good. Yeah, it was, really it was good. good. And, and you know what? If you see someone on the streets who's like, I don't like the Avengers movie, kick them in the balls, because they're obviously <laughs> retarded. Well, it's also, it, it sparked a lot of uh, excitement for future Marvel movies, like yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man. Like, I'm excited for these. I wasn't excited for these before, but after seeing what they did, where yeah. it's like, it feels like it is feeling like one big Marvel universe, which is 
exciting. Yeah, I, I did. I stopped caring about superhero movies a while ago. You know, they're like, oh, whatever. They're like little standalone movies. I don't care about them. I, I wasn't a huge fan of all the Spider-Man movies. And then this came out and I'm like, oh, OK, they actually made superheroes really awesome again. And I can get into this. So I'm, I am looking forward to the new ones. That is true with this yeah. with this. And movie. it's not just for nerds like everyone. Yeah. Likes and, it. and but the cool thing about this is that it felt like before, like what you're talking about with the individual films, it felt like it was just one shots. Yeah. You know, it was Ooh, just Punisher. Like, oh, oh, Daredevil. Ghost yeah, oh, exactly. Daredevil. You know, whatever. Cares. Yeah. And, yeah and but how cool would it be if you saw Andrew Garfield and Hugh Jackman and uh, Thomas Jane all on stay um, all on screen together? In the Marvel universe, yeah, that'd and, be amazing. And it feels like this is after Marvel was able to take back their own properties, they've been able to to take it in this direction, which is really exciting. And we're all very excited for Avengers two and all the films that come in between now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Rocket Raccoon because the success the success of the Avengers made an oddball movie like Guardians of the Galaxy possible, and I anticipate that's gonna be amazing. And hopefully this will inspire DC to get off their asses and no. stop just playing around with the Superman and Batman franchises over and over again and actually make other movies as well. The problem is with DC is uh, when they make movies, like, like we said earlier, it's, they make standalone movies. It don't seem like they could exist with other in you know, theory, there's no characters. way I could see Christian Bale and uh, Ryan Reynolds in the same screen. I, I can't like, see those two are different worlds. I can't see Batman and Superman together in the current like continuity of things. Though Man of Steel is seem seemingly tailored to um, homogenize the universe between Nolan's Batman movies, they'd have to redo this. Batman well in order to make it work. I think. Well, they're they're talking about. You know, I mean, obviously, they're not going to let the Batman franchise die. I mean, oh, no, it's, it's huge. the number. Yeah, it's it's huge. They're not going to let I'm them just, die. I'm just saying it's it, to me like someone else made the comment long ago that the idea that Marvel will be putting Rocket Raccoon in a movie before <laughs> DC has ever made Wonder Woman, The Flash, Aquaman or or, or Martian Manager is ridiculous. That's pretty. That's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is that is the goddamn truth. Hex. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yay, Marvel, you guys fucking rock, but DC, fucking get in the game. Hey, hey, they had a television show about The Flash a long time ago. You remember that? Yeah. Live action? Uh, <laughs> With it, Mark Hamill as the trickster. It, you know, what, I think what former editor-in-chief of Marvel, jo uh, Joe Quesada, said once upon a time is still very true. DC is like a retard with a gigantic penis. <laughs> <laughs> did he say that? He did. And that's, uh, that's why DC will never do another crossover with Marvel as long as he's a part of the company. Wow. Um, but it's true. They have, they have a huge asset that they don't know what to do with. Well, I mean, it's the, uh, it's the power of Disney, man. The power that's that the money. Magic. Well, the magic. well, Jeff Johns was supposed to be giving him some good direction. It's, it's kind of tapered I, off. It's yeah, I, I, with too much other stuff. Giving Jeff Johns power, good move. Um, letting the corporate douchebags who live at Warner Brothers dictating the nature of DC Comics, bad move. Yeah. Like, they, 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 they have the power to be great, but they will not let their great authors do what they need to do to make it happen. That's, I mean, that's instead, instead, they fire them over email. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, by the way, let's just throw that right in there. Uh, Gil Simone being fired off Batgirl via email mega fail That's of like 2012. breaking up with a girl and using like a text message response they put her back on bad girl wait oops. really like, oops yeah she's back on <laughs> bad girl <laughs> holy shit that i'd be pissed like there's gonna be two comics in the interim where like it was assumed that chaos moment would be on but early next year she'll be back on bad girl that's <clears throat> I'm, wow. I'm glad but i mean fuck those guys yeah, no, it's, it's fucking a good, ridiculous. It's a good thing she's so damn nice. <laughs> <laughs> Number 12, The Recode Project. 
Recode is a project dedicated to preserving early digital art. I'm talking about like the beginnings of digital art before before Chrono Trigger. Before Chrono Trigger. <laughs> what? Uh, Dragon Quest One. This is um like 1950s and 60s computer art. A lot of it archived from old um magazines, like really specialized uh low print run magazines at the time. So it's not just ASCII art. No, no. It's, it's it's not just ASCII art. It's, just, it's a slight step above that, but it's very. Admittedly, it's, some of it may or may not actually be ASCII art. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> it, it is it is very primitive. Um, but one of the great things is that you know it is it is the beginnings. It is the caveman drawings of computer art, and it's amazing for it. And they actually are striving not just to preserve images of the uh, the art, but they also are preserving the code. Hmm. They're actually recoding the entire thing into processing, which of course is the open sources. You know, like love child, I guess you could say, for like art students. Do you think they'll open up some sort of digital museum at some point? They well, they basically, basically have. There. And, uh, and so, if you yes. want, so if you want to see all this, you can go to the Recode Project website and you can experience this uh, very very early digital art. But uh, I mean, this is this is a necessity. Someone had to do it, and they're doing it, and they're doing it well. Preserving the code is uh, the the step that needs to be made to really validate the work they're doing. Uh, that's going back to the beginning. It's uh, you know it's preserving the paint and the canvas and the frame. Uh, of these digital pieces which i'm also assuming you can probably actually download the code then and modify it and actually play with you know this stuff yourself and really appreciate i don't know the level of absurdity that, that these guys went through they may frown upon that i don't know i don't know if they'll let hey. you download the code i mean it's not like you're taking the mona lisa home to play around with the pixels it's like it's you're not altering the actual art itself you're just playing around with it yeah the original will always be there but there's countless derivative works of the mona lisa that's true. Yeah. Number 11. That Game Company's Journey. Oh, oh man. That's a really good game. Yep. <clears throat> Such a great game. It, one of the best things about it, it has that kind of atmosphere of go out and figure out what to do. Yes. Well, That Game Company, that, that's the, the, this is the third uh, game in the series that that, gig, that game company has made for Sony. The first one being Flow. Uh, the second one being Flower, mm -hmm. and then this one being Journey, and and it's um now uh what was the 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 video game awards that just that just happened the, the video the video game awards okay the video game awards. <laughs> the video game awards uh that uh that game company's Journey won as the best Sony game for this entire year <laughs> it it beat Dishonored it beat all of the all of the shit that has come out for Sony. For the PlayStation, this one. And by shit, he means, yes. you know, high quality, oh, yeah. like blockbuster games. Yeah. Oh, Sony, yeah. Sony dumps a ton of money into stuff, whether or not it's good. So That's true. Yeah. This is like high fiber shit we're talking about. Journey is definitely a, an amazing experience that you need. You know, if you have a PS3, because obviously that's the only format it's on. Right. You need to check out all three of their games that they've made so far, because they're really really amazing um, they, they are by, by definition the examples of um art as video games and video games as art I mean, flower blew my mind when i first played it and it's just it's about it's about flowers that's it, it. it's a game where you float around as a bunch of flower petals you and control you, the wind yeah that's yeah. it done that's all you do <laughs> yeah. all you do and it's an amazing like i could not put it down yeah the um, music everything well recently what? actually i think um, i was crying while playing it <laughs> go ahead good. 
What I love most while watching Brandon play Journey is that there was some random other guy that was just there. I'm like, Brandon, who is that? He's like, I have no idea. Yes. But I'm going to follow him. Yes. I thought, it, I thought it was like in the game, but it was an actual another person playing with me. And I had no idea that even happened. It was seamless. Yeah. Journey has this really interesting mechanic where you uh if whatever level you are on, if there was another player somewhere in the world that is on the same level that you are on, that uh, character will show up in your game. And the great thing about this is that it's um, not like where Xbox Live where you're going to get a lot of little kids and a lot of like really, really immature people who are like, you know, throwing across racial and sexual slurs. Well, there's no chat. No, there's no chat. Exactly. That's you the great thing about it. Music. You create you communicate through chimes. All mm -hmm. you do is you just press a button in it and it sends out a chime and a light. And so it tells you, "Oh, my guy is wanting me to come over there." So the, your your fellow that's on the game like, pitches comes and up, stuff. Yeah, he comes and he hangs out with you and you guys go through the level together and it feels like you are truly connected to this other character and this other person that's across the world even though you never talk to them. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if they don't, you know, speak the same language cuz you don't speak. It's exactly. great. It's like the best relationship yeah ever. no it, so it, it, it'll only be a matter of time then before you start dealing with morse code trolls <laughs> that, you know what it, it's yeah. a little too ambient for that really. i don't think you know what this game you actually really really <laughs> reminds me of though and it's gonna be weird dark souls <laughs> say no not even choking dark souls and demon souls it has the exact same feeling of journey. You're placed in this world. You're not sure what's going on. People can pop up randomly. And you can't really in, like communicate through words. Wow. I, I might add Dark Souls was number uh, 16 on our 2011 list. Yeah, it's good. good game. Yeah. So, no, I mean, like, this game was, uh, um, it truly is a journey. Artistically, it's very beautiful. Uh, it, it really is, um, if you have played Flow and Flower and you have not played Journey yet, it truly is the, um, the next step. Uh, for this game company and i don't know exactly what that game company is going to be doing next but um whatever they're going to be doing keep it on your radar because they are incredible now i have to tell you they're making a flow too oh are they I i'm not sure i've oh, actually never played it. through flow i know mm -hmm. nothing about it uh, flow is basically uh it's kind of this this interesting uh, amoeba kind of those games where bigger fish eat the smaller fish type deal and as you eat a fish you get larger and then uh -huh. you can eat larger fish and etc it's essentially that thing but you're a, a, an amoeba and different kinds of amoebas, like an octopus-like amoeba and stuff. But the amoebas are um, maybe very... I, maybe I ha did see that game when it came out. I just didn't realize they were connected. Yeah, okay, yeah. wow. But, okay, but they're like uh, a very interestingly, intricately designed uh, shapes and um, forms. Not necessarily like an amoeba itself. It's like mm. you know, like a drawn, very vector mm -hmm. uh, images. Now, an, an anecdote about flower. Um, when uh, I, I work at a theater and at this theater, we actually blew up flower on, on our projector. We blew it up on the on the back of the wall of the of the theater and sat in the in the audience of our of our uh, stage um, theater. And we played flower and blasted it through the speakers throughout wait, the entire theater. Was this like theater. during a performance? No, it was, like, it, it was like a tool or you just were like, fuck no, it, it, we're it playing a, flower here in the theater. It was fuck it. We're playing flower at the theater on a Sunday you. night. It was so and, and playing it on a giant screen. It was I would incredible. love to like break into an IMAX theater or yeah. get use of one and just play Journey or Flower on an IMAX screen. Yes, no, it was um it was incredible. Like the people who were playing it were like, "Oh my god, they had never played it before." I hate you even more now, by it, the way. It was like it was truly an engrossing and and very um Did you cry? Spiritual experience, yeah. See? Oh, totally. I cried. <laughs> number 11 that, that wasn't Wait, that was number so 11. we're getting into the top <laughs> we're, we're getting into the top 10 now. yeah we're about to we're about to do the top 10 but first i think you guys could use a break i want you to listen to some music and while you're listening to this music some i want you to smooth jazz um, and vocals 
<laughs> I want you to make a sandwich. Uh, what do you got for us, X? What, what, what I have is actually something from Street Fighter X Mega Man, the OST. Perfect sandwich uh, making music. There is perfect sandwich making music. Uh, a rival, the amazing chip hop artist from San Francisco, who also got his start at OC Remix, he did the entire soundtrack for Street Fighter X Mega Man doing this beautiful mashup of Street Fighter music in the style of Mega Man. The particular track I chose was Ryu Stage, because uh, Ryu's music is pretty damn iconic. The entire album, once again, is completely online for free. So check out the entire album. Awesome. So this is it, guys, the top ten. You know what really ruins a sandwich? Pencils. Sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> what are Don't you talking about? Don't put any fucking crazy. sun-dried tomatoes in a sandwich. Sun-dried tomatoes are delicious. it ruins that shit. Uh, uh, Brennan's preaching from the book of Michael Showalter, and I gotta say that I, I disagree with both of them. I like sun-dried tomatoes a lot. Yeah, they're sun-dried just, tomatoes are amazing. They're just, they're, they're, just, they're gross. 
They're gross. You don't want to put them in a fucking sandwich. They overpower everything. Yeah, but they're, they're dried by the sun. Tomato stance, but that's just a personal thing. I won't say anyone else shouldn't have tomatoes. Sun-dried tomatoes aren't dry. They're like oily. It tastes like it's in someone's asshole for the, a week. The power of the sun is it's like is they, imbued It's like they grew them on tomatoes. fuck mountain, and they taste like shit. No, man. <laughs> no. Well, all number, right, number all right. 10. I want to no, live on fuck mountain. Number number 10, guys. <laughs> Yay, fuck mountain. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, back in 2009, our first top 20 nerdy things list, we uh, uh it, it went to some little something like this. Uh, Let's see. Number 11, augmented reality, which was just really starting to take shape then. Number 10, water on the moon. We first discovered water on the moon back then. Old moves. And number nine was uh, red dwarf, back to earth. Um, after years and years of there being no new Red Dwarf, I think 1998 may have been the last uh, the last season, Series Eight. Um, uh, there was there was a Red Dwarf special. It was uh, three episodes, basically um, amounting to uh, an, an hour or so length episode, um, and it was incredible. It was like a, a weird Blade Runner parody. It was a total return to form, and it it blew our minds. Now, number ten of 2012, Red Dwarf returns once more. Series ten, the first full season of Red Dwarf since uh, since series eight. Um, How is it? Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Now it didn't. No, this this list is different. In in a different list, it would be much higher than number ten. But it's it's up against some pretty tough competition here. So yeah, uh, that list for everything ahead of this is pretty solid. So, but it's it's still in the top ten. And honestly, I love it way more than I love series nine. Um, it is uh, six episodes long and. Each episode is just incredible. If uh, Red Dwarf, for for those uninformed, uh, well, we have we have a microsode about it that I'll link you to, but uh, it's a British sci-fi comedy, um, and it's it started in the late '80s and has had uh, intermittent series off and on since then. Though there was a huge, huge, huge pause over the last decade. And um, if you don't know what Red Dwarf is, you really need to get your shit together. It's it's about um, the, the last <laughs> the last human in the world stuck yeah. in a mining vessel that he worked on. Uh, he's a total slob. Uh, he was cryogenically frozen. There was a reactor leak. Everyone died except him. So, he was really and, and cryogenically and they, frozen? Oh, sorry, stasis. stasis. And then the ship's been traveling for, what, like a million years in, in one direction or something? Yeah, three million. The background radiation, they didn't want to infect anyone else. Yeah, so the, so the, the crew is um, a, a holographic representation of his roommate who he hates. Um, a cat <laughs> that evolved from um, from a cat that he had. Uh, that he left behind three million years prior. Yeah, that, that, that was <laughs> it, it, it was pregnant cat, um, and they uh, the cat birthed kittens, and that those kittens created a society of cat people over those millions of years. And there was a great migration. There's only one left, um, and uh, and a a robot who's sort of a a neurotic cleaner robot man um, <laughs> uh, with a with a weird shaped head like a novelty condom. Um, and uh, it, it's it's an incredible, incredible show. It really breaks the mold of a sitcom, but sort of retains it the same way and, and tells incredible and intelligent sci-fi stories. Well, this has been on for, I mean, I mean, obviously it's been intermittent, but like when, when did Red Dwarf start? I, be, I believe 1987. Wow. 1985, maybe. So 80s. And yeah, all the, the actors 80s. are still alive. They're still alive. And not only that, I thought, I thought they were going to look like a mess, but no. They look the same. They, they don't even look different. The only one who looks slightly older is the cat. Well, they're, they're not using the CGs? No. Really? Not, not on their faces? Not on their what faces. about the Botox? Botox? No. Well, I, I mean, maybe. Maybe, but they, they still, they look great. And, wow. Um, wow. One, the, of the, one of the things that I think really clinches this as the nerdiness 
is that since the show went into quote unquote retirement, um, a on BBC a a sci-fi specific TV show, a station called Dave, named after the main character Dave Lister, came about, and so Red Dwarf returned on Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, it's not BBC owned. And uh, the at some point during the the the, the timeline here. Um, they actually allowed to have private corporations run television channels in the UK, so it's a, it's actually a private station, um, which is a, which makes the the transition all the more appropriate that BBC let it go. But it actually makes it more difficult to get if you want to watch the show. Wow, there was in fact going to be a Red Dwarf movie, um, uh, but BBC said no, and BBC said no to a lot of things. So it's great that they let Dave take over years so, later. So if people wanted to watch season 10 yeah. right after listening to this, how would they go about obtaining it? Well, it has been very difficult um, because they because it's it's not on BBC because the only thing that gets simulcast uh, via BBC America is Doctor Who. Um, it's been it's been very, very difficult, but it only just happened this last October. They just started airing the series. So um, there's a Blu-ray coming out, I believe, early January in the States. Um, so maybe by the time you listen to this, you will be able to pick up Red Dwarf Series 10. And you know what? If you haven't, um, if you haven't watched any Red Dwarf before, I mean, go back to the originals by all means. It's a British series, so all the seasons are really short. But uh, you could actually pick up Red Dwarf 10 and have a great time. They, they, they don't explain everything. But, Although I uh, do recommend watching from the beginning. Yeah. If it, you'd it, like. It is, it is a sci-fi comedy classic. I like it better than Hitchhiker's Guide, personally. Wow. Ditto. The books are great too. Yeah, the books are fantastic. <clears throat> I actually started with the books. Mm. Wow, that, that that's yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> a, fr- a friend of mine I knew in high school, uh, he was uh, British, and uh, so he had all the books, and he made me read them. And I'm like, this is amazing. He's like, there's a show too, so we watched the show together. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear more about Red Dwarf? Check out our Red Dwarf microsode. We're gonna move on to uh, number nine. The tables have turned. Number nine. Red Dwarf and science. Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting, interesting situation. You know, uh, like like I said, we uh, we rated Finding Water on the Moon at number ten, and then Red Dwarf at number nine uh, in two thousand and nine. Uh, in a weird turn of events, we also <laughs> found some water somewhere else, and it was a lot more and a lot more remarkable yes. than Water on the Moon. Yes, or Water on Mars, or Water on Mars for that matter. Uh, it was Water on Mercury. The, the planet closest to the sun and a shit ton of it. And yeah. water ice. And it's frozen. Yeah. It's still frozen. It's right next to the sun. We're finding water on all sorts of shit these days. It's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, the cool thing is that, like, that, uh, I mean, Mercury is just more important than the moon. Yeah. Oh, well, you, uh, know, you, you know, know what the, this means, right? I'll see the moon. The, you know, future, the moon. Fuck the moon. The future of mankind is Tides, going to be. Whatever. We have no fresh water. So space is colonized or colonized by miners who are just constantly going to planets to get us fresh water. That's this right. Is, this is the future of mankind. That's reality. People are going to go on suicide trips to Mercury to try to bring back fresh water for the Earth. It's going to be That's very silly. awesome. Laser guns and robots and shit. What'd you say, John? That's silly. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're totally going to run out of fresh water, and they're going to have to mine it, it in space. It, and it won't matter because we'll be able to have efficient enough production to be able to, you know, like. I don't know, distill water from oh, we'll pretty see. much whatever. And we'll make it see, clean. John, won't we? we? We'll see. All you need is energy, and also there's you know, various catalysts and that kind of stuff you could use to speed it along. Well, we haven't done it yet. Look, this is crazy because the surface temperature of said planet is like 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, how, how can there be possibly be frozen water on an 800 degree fahrenheit world yeah ours because is melting we at all like know that the north pole is always cold no matter where it is 
So it's that cool? More specifically in this case, I think that the planet's probably like tidal lock, so it, it doesn't actually rotate, and it kind of like, you know, has the pole sort of tilted around. So there's actually, like a, that's not true. So there's like a dark side rotate. of the planet that never faces the sun, and it's just the covered craters, in craters. So there's like actual craters in the surface, like, you know, around the poles, and as a result, there's never any sun. So apparently it's cold enough for water to actually freeze there. So in theory, if there's water, water also sometimes can equate to life. So is it possible that life is on Mercury? Well, it's frozen water. There could be maybe frozen, be frozen bacteria. Could be fr- but I mean, if there was water there originally, then maybe, in theory that it was, in I, theory there was flowing water yeah, that then froze. So uh, there could be frozen perhaps life. In, yeah, and in, 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 the, in the bleed, where it goes hot to cold, there might be something tropical, you know? And the bleed is the most important part, really, because life has to exist around gradients, and that is one. So, I mean, you know, like, is there life there? Like, but we have no fucking clue. But also, at the just, same time, if mm. there happens to be, you know, some sort of geothermal activity, that kind of stuff, somewhere in between the water and, and where that heat is coming from, then, then maybe, 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 if it's been, you know, incredibly consistent for millennia, you might actually start developing the, the precursors of life and then, you know, real life, etc. Well, I mean, like, it's still a pretty shitty place to be. Right. Obviously, but I know that it's, it's easier for us to get you know, further away from the sun, will it somehow one day be possible for us to get closer to the sun in in order to study this life, potential life? Well, I mean, we've already gotten pretty close to that stuff in the first place. It's just, it's a pain in the ass to do. So it's kind of like one of those things. Like if NASA was to have a to-do list, it wouldn't necessarily include, you know, having to make like incredibly shielded probes to then, you know, launch out to these planets like, you know, Mercury that, that are just like sitting there roasting, right? Um, One of the so, great things about this, though, is that it, base, it essentially says, and what different findings for the last few years have said, uh, it is a lot easier to find the, um, the, the beginnings of life in the universe than we thought it was. Um, if, there's, if there's water, then there totally can be at least microbial organisms. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, Number eight. So MAGFest, the Music and Gaming Festival, which I'm gearing up to go to for the 2013 uh, edition. This year, they had a hallmark year. It was their 10th MAGFest. And to headline it, to celebrate it, they had none other than Nobuo Uematsu and Earthbound Papas performing some of the most memorable music from Final Fantasy uh, history. Nope. Who is Nobuo Uematsu? Why is he important? Why, why, Colin, he's the guy who's composed pretty much all the scores to Final Fantasy, including the most important ones. Wow. Like the battle theme <laughs> from the first game. He's in, so he's a big guy. He, he's a god. Well, he's a short guy. Oh. So well, smooth. Well, he's um, eight. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to see this performance, and it was the closest thing I've had to like a religious experience with nerd music. Getting like listening to it. Not there was a full-on band backing him, but uh, Nabuo himself was on the keyboards. And I swear, listen, like listening to "Dancing Mad," the the epic final song for Final Fantasy VI, and listening to it and hearing what I could have sworn was the original chipset of the keyboard with the live backing band was just so amazing. It was so indescribable. And uh, another thing that just made me like fight so much to get this in the top 10 was that for the first time ever, I, I think this is the a logical extreme of nerd music for video game music. Like we saw the logical extreme for chip tunes with Pixel 8 performing at Bletchley Park with 
with the century-old machinery to make chip tune mu- chip music, which I might add was number one in two thousand and nine on our list. Uh, with Nobuo Uematsu, you had the original composer playing the music at the Music and Gaming Festival, and it was just it was amazing. Nobuo was hanging out with people; he was drinking with people. I had this amazing moment uh, the day after the performance, hanging out at the at the Random Encounter booth. Right next to Grant Henry of Metroid Metal. Did you and suck he his dick? By, <laughs> Did you and suck his we dick? We both just what? Did you suck his dick? No, we just we both freaked out that Nobuo Uematsu was walking by right next to us, and it was just this 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 amazing shared moment with someone of uh, amuse, amazing musical talent. But, did he, did he uh, look Nobuo at you? Uematsu, what? Did he look at you and freak out because you're twice his like height? Yeah. No, no, I wasn't the tallest person there. I mean, that, 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 to me, that's a missed opportunity for you not to suck his dick, Hex. <laughs> you could have. You, I'm just saying. I could have. No, I probably could have. Um, I don't know if the security would have let me, but... Um, you could have yeah. absorbed all that white materia. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, He's going to limit breaking your mouth. Yeah, you could have you drawn all that white materia. Uh. Okay, I I can't think of a funny one. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. So Nobuo Matsu performed for Magnus Twenty Colons, number eight on the top twenty list of why I hate Colin. <laughs> uh, number seven, SpaceX's Dragon uh, spacecraft is the first commercial spacecraft to successfully rendezvous with and be attached to the International Space Station. Now this is important, and I suggested this one because it's I believe it's a turning point in mankind's you know space travel it is the first capsule created by basically a private company you know it's not it's not funded by the government it's the first capsule they launched completely unmanned completely remote controlled docked with the space station and then undocked and landed and is completely reusable this is done by a private company nothing no one else was involved and it was amazing it shows that you know the privatization of space and space travel is completely doable yeah not only that they actually did it twice here yeah i'm actually i'm actually a little um this this whole thing with spacex is is a little i call them space sex <laughs> it's it's hard not to. right exactly well no it's actually it's actually a little uh disheartening in terms of um the 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 ceo of spacex who created this company mm-hmm. um actually when they first launched their rocket uh, to prove that they could make it into space this private company um a lot of the astronauts, uh, for instance, Neil Armstrong, when he was still alive and so on, um, they uh, wrote to him and basically said, what you're doing is completely fucked up. Space belongs to governments. It's not, it's not, doesn't, shouldn't belong to the private sector. But they were, they you're were, an asshole, the essentially. The government was killing space exploration, though. So what were well, they no, going to do? it had to happen, but they were just like, but they basically said, no, you have, like, the, you, what you were doing is 100% wrong. And what was so horrible about this is that the guy who created SpaceX, these were his heroes. The reason why mm-hmm. he created this company was because of those people that he grew up idolizing. And they basically just stomped in his face, like, no, what you're doing what you grew up wanting to do is bullshit, and it's it's, it's a bit horrible. Fucked up. It is. Why? It's really who horrible. are they to say that? Well, he's I mean, dead I know now. they're astronauts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't say nothing now. That's right. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck no, I definitely agree with the whole mentality that uh, governments. Uh, they're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. so why like, the fuck not? Space is just going out there and it's going bad. We need to go pluck it from the tree. Hell, yeah. NASA's called like... another thing that's like... come out this year as a potentiality in the future is like asteroid mining. It's like actual groups are forming to try to get that underway. Yeah, well, companies are formed. They're Elon hiring. Musk, I mean, it, like, he's who Iron Man as we know him from the films was based on. Like, 
the director was friends with him. That that's yeah, who yeah. John, Iron Man was in the film. John Favreau and El- and Elon Musk are are buddies, and he is literally the template for the movie Iron Man. Wow. In fact, if I had to vote for a nerdiest man ever, it, it would be him. He goes and he just hangs out with his friends and like crashes on their couches and plays video games whenever he can while he's traveling. Wow, that's awesome. Like. And also, of course, he runs Tesla Motors that was voted like the number one car in like virtually every car magazine ever. It's completely electric. And he says they'll be affordable within 20 years. (laughs) Well, they will be affordable within 20 years. Everyone they make is like a little bit cheaper than the next. Mm -hmm. I mean, minus the fact that the next one they're actually making is like a caravan that I swear to you looks exactly like the sedan, but somehow larger. It's also got gull wings. And, and and they're building a network of... uh, No, I don't. Uh, They're building a network of uh, recharge doors. Oh, wing, wing doors. Sorry, you said door wings, and I didn't. I, no, yeah. I pictured like feathers. They're, they're, anyway. Oh well. Anyway, they're building. They're building a network of charge stations that will. Um, Which, get, if you are a sedan owner, are free. Yeah, it, it'll get you. Um, travel. It'll allow you to travel all over California in a free few years, and then, then then it's going to be all across the United States. Although I uh, am awesome. a trip from Miami to New York City. Yeah, although I am a little concerned. I mean, considering the fact with privatization of space, there is the worry that, um, you know, because you've heard the rumors about the people going to Mars, that the fact that um, the governments aren't necessarily sending people out into space, that they, the lot, the, since the private companies are sending people out into space, they're, they're thinking of where can we get the money in order to go to these different places. Well, one of the stories is that um, there is a reality TV show that is, lo- <laughs> that is interested in sending people to Mars as a one-way ticket. <laughs> to go to Mars, but it's a reality TV That's show. That's amazing. Do it. America, it. America will choose who the people are to go to fucking Mars. It's not. This like, is like the the fucked up shit you see in old school like sci fi movies that like oh we'll never do that. That's crazy shit that'll never happen in the real in real world. And now it's happening, and I love it. Well, yeah, it, it remains to be seen whether or not this program is going to get off the right. ground. But, but there's a but it it exists. It does exist. Um, however. Uh, because the qualifications for colonizing a planet are so steep, you know, we think, oh, God, the Kardashians are going to be in space. That's no good. But they the fact is, they're, they're, I don't think those those kind of people are simply going to be in the running because uh. they, they won't even be able to operate the shit, you know, the shit they need to to right. get there to begin with. Right. So we're going to see kind of a higher caliber of person on television. <laughs> uh, be- you know, and better yet, if they can't operate the stuff, they will actually die in transit. So we'll be free of that. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. That'd, way. that'd be amazing if they're like on the ship and there's cameras like, oh my God, I don't know how to move this thing. And then they just blow up and die. Yeah, man. I'd love to see Kesha explode in space. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> money, money signs, dollar signs, just all over the place. But you know what I was just reminded? I know we have to move on, but I'm just going to say, um, flying, like normal flight right. across the world is is privatized. That's not government run. It yeah. used to be you know, just a military the, thing, the and fact, then it became privatized. So it's going to be the same thing. For us to see the future that we've dreamed of with space travel, uh, the government would have to be doing everything, yeah. literally everything completely different to sustain that kind of future. Right. Privatization is the, literally the only way yes. that we can see the progression that we've been denied. Yeah. And we're going to be dead, you know, before we see this take off really that well anyway. So whatever. Well, I mean, the asteroids, we're be dead. The asteroids coming. Yeah. yeah. The asteroids coming. Was that supposed to happen already? gave a really good argument against privatization of space, saying that um, government needs to put more money into space uh, because great explorers of the day were all funded by the government. That's I mean, true. Well, no, it's, it's true, but the government won't do it, so whatever. Right, that's, right. No, moving that's on. The argument doesn't really make sense, but, I mean, yes, it but, should no, be filmed with the, the sentiment is 
there needs to be more of a push in the government for space exploration. Since there isn't one, I I mean, I don't think Neil deGrasse Tyson is saying SpaceX, what you're doing is wrong. They're <laughs> saying he's excited about what you're doing is wrong. Right. Exactly. Oh, oh, one, one more thing. SpaceX, they're also working on a completely reusable launch vehicle. Yeah, yeah, we know that. So, well, no, no, I mean, like, in other words, the normally what ends up happening is, is that you have, like, the first and then the second stage and then finally, like, the capsule on top. Yeah, and they fall so off. So normally, right? yeah, and they fall off and they just, you know, disintegrate in the atmosphere. Okay. Generally. So they're actually making ones that will actually land upright back where they started. Yeah, they've been working on that for a while. It's called well, the grasshopper, the right? Though, yeah, the grasshopper. They actually are able to do that now, though. I mean, within reason. Like, they just did a test the other day where yeah. they actually, I think it was something like 40 meters up. So they took, like, a 11-story building-sized, you know, launch vehicle. They made it hover up to, like, 40 meters and then controlled descent back down again. Wow. So, like, they're already, you know, they'll, that'll be on there next year for totally awesome, cool things. Maybe. Yeah, not a concept anymore. <laughs> actual a work in progress fact. number yes, six <laughs> number six wreck it ralph holy shit i am so in love with this movie it is a love letter to the arcades that all of us who were born in the 80s or late 70s grew up with um it uh i, I mean it's a disney film it's actually not a pixar film though certainly pixar's influence over disney once the acquisition there happened uh, is best shown in wreck it ralph um the the film just sends up that entire environment like and i you know it's weird disney ha seems there's someone at disney who clearly has an agenda to bring the arcade back now it doesn't make the arcade stop making sense uh, everybody started playing games at homes uh the say that the, to the it, japanese it, it, it cost have it cost well in america anyway um it costs way too much to play the damn games but uh you know tron and wreck it ralph are both saying hey arcades are amazing we got to bring them back and I, I fully support that i love the environment of the arcade i love going to uh, a dimly lit place with colors and lights and sounds to play games with other people in person now can you explain this movie a little bit because guess who hasn't seen it here i haven't what? seen it oh yeah i haven't either because i'm i'm obviously an asshole and i should ima imagine what imagine what uh who framed roger rabbit did with cartoons back in the day where it brought all these cool cartoons together with a cool story to run, we're running a, a, alongside. But with video game characters. Not right. with video game characters. Plus, like, it kicks off with Wreck-It Ralph, a fictional video game character, in a bad guy anonymous room with, uh, in a meeting run by one of the Pac-Man ghosts. <laughs> and also in that meeting is Zangief, uh, Dr. Robotnik, uh, M. Bison, uh, and a few others. Oh, Bowser. Generic zombie. God damn Generic it. Generic zombie. I need to see it. Well, I mean, like, what the, here's the thing. The reason why I didn't see it was I wasn't necessarily excited because the trailer to me, even though that the concept was cool, the trailer to me did not look that yeah, exciting. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell it was. Sarah Silverman's little, like, uh, tiny little character that, like, makes fun of Ralph and all that kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this movie's going to suck. Like, oh, just, no, 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 no. They, they just showed you the really... They just showed you what the main audience needed yeah, to see. Sarah cool. Silverman, I am the... I hate Sarah Silverman, but her character was just so endearing. I loved her by the end of it. And uh, I was surprised. I'm surprised to say that still. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they, they showed you what they needed to. And I, too, was really skeptical. I was worried that it was just going to be like uh, a big, like, nostalgia. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. That's what I, I recognize thought. this. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. But no, in fact, that there's a lot of that in the beginning, except it's all really well done. Uh, and then inexplicably most of the, the film takes place in a mario kart ripoff called um sugar, sugar rush, rush 
Okay, um, so here's here's basically the plot. Wreck-It Ralph, it's his uh, 20th? No, 30th anniversary of being a video game villain. And uh, they are set throwing a party for uh, Fix, uh, Felix, the hero of the game, Fix-It Felix Jr., um, because he has defeated Ralph for 30 straight years, and Ralph is sick of this, so he decides to go to the party, and, they, and after every defeat of Ralph, uh, Felix gets a medal. And so Ralph fig- figures out, if I get a medal, they'll have to treat me like a hero. So he wanders around and he sees, uh, uh, while at a bar at a tap, um, he sees that he hears that there are medals being given away over at, uh, oh gosh, what is that game? It's, uh, it's called Hero's Duty. Hero's Duty. <laughs> and, um, which is like a, like a Gears of War style video game. Oh my God. And so he. he Modern, he, yes. He hops games. into that game. He's freaked out by the high quality of graphics, but he imagines. <laughs> He happens to steal the medal. Yeah, and game and hopping almost, is totally—it's—it's it's completely taboo, by the way. Like you're not. Right. Okay, is this—is this like a clone of reboot? Because it reminds me of reboot. Uh, I would like say reboot? a clone, but I would definitely see—I see that there's uh, there's influences in it. Yeah, okay. I mean, you could say its influences extend from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Toy Story, and reboot. Awesome. All and so things. he's got this medal. He and then he hops over to Sugar Rush, and all the while, Fix It Felix is trying to find out where Ralph is because without the villain, the, the game, game wrecked, it's Fix out of order. Felix, it's out of order because there's a glitch because the villain isn't there to play. And so no one, so it's, it's a broken game. And if it's a broken game, then they have to unplug it. And when the game is unplugged, everyone dies. Nice. I like those stakes. Yeah. And I, uh, it's, it's weird that, the, that most of the movie takes place in Sugar Rush, but uh, I love Mario Kart so much that it's actually kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Does anyone throw shells at each other or bananas? They've, they've all got, all the players have like power-ups and everything. I mean, like they, it's, it is exactly, yeah, it's exactly <laughs> Mario Kart, except, except it's like candy, it's like Candyland Mario Kart is what wow. it is. And, and, uh, King Candy, uh, is voiced by, it was the, the, the monarch of, uh, Sugar Rush is voiced by Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Who is? Yeah, Wash. Yeah, Wash from Firefly. Nice. Woo! Awesome. You know, uh, what's interesting is that, that this, well, this movie did so well that they're already obviously talking about a sequel. Uh-huh. And in the sequel, they're highly, highly, highly um, uh, hinting that Mario They've done more will than, be in it. They've done more than hint. They have outright said Mario will be in it. In fact, Mario would have been in the first one, but in order to successfully you know, tell the story they wanted to, uh, Nintendo was actually like, put Mario in it. Seriously, put Mario in it because last time we had him in a movie, it didn't work out so good for us. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. I do too. I, I love the original Mario Brothers Big movie. Big Bertha from the Boom Boom Room. <laughs> put a cartridge in. Click your ears together. No, she was round. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they, re- they really wanted him in it. They just couldn't figure out a way to do it uh, respectfully and that made sense. So they're now that they it did so well they're like oh shit we'll do a sequel real quick um, yeah because they also didn't want it they also didn't want mario to be like a throwaway right they wanted right. him to be a major character so what you're saying is i should see this movie today if possible if possible yeah. yes it's really good i don't know if it's in theaters still it might be oh it is oh there's okay. another thing where uh where yeah if you die in a game that isn't your own from game jumping you, you die, die permanent because he can't respawn so the, so there are stakes yeah. Okay. yeah the stakes are high all across the board so yeah, when when uh, when Ralph is tromping around in Heroes Duty and Sugar Rush, there is a chance that he could die permanent. Yay! <laughs> so uh, we're gonna cut to a song, and when we get back, we're gonna give you the rest of our honorable mentions and fails, as well as let you know who this year's Nerd on the Rise is. 
I loved Wreck-It Ralph so much um, that I just, I, I, every, the music itself was amazing. Something that I really was blown away with was uh, the theme song for Sugar Rush itself, which was done by uh, J-pop group AKB48. Um, and so what I got for you is a really cool uh, remix by DJ Amaya of Sugar Rush, uh, which is nice and dancey, and, and uh, I enjoy and I'm pretty sure you will. Uh, another nerdy thing about the soundtrack to Wreck-It Ralph is that um, uh, back in the day, you may know a little track called Pac-Man Fever and its subsequent albums, uh, album of songs based on video games from the arcades uh, by Bruckner and Garcia. Now, um, unfortunately, Garcia died last year, but uh, Andy Bruckner was uh, brought back into the, into the, uh, the video game song business this year for Wreck-It Ralph doing a song about Wreck-It Ralph called Wreck-It Ralph or Wreck-It, Wreck-It, Ralph, um, and it is in the style of what he and his, his songwriting partner would have done if this game were real. It, this is, if the track, if, if this game were real, this is a track that would have been on their original album, Pac-Man Fever. And it's, it's an amazing track, too. Yeah. So, a uh, very nerdy uh, scene all around with Wreck-It, Ralph. Let's listen to Sugar Rush.
Last year, we started doing something called the uh, Rising Nerd, uh, where we sort of showcase someone who's uh, a young nerd who's making their way in the world. And, uh, and it's not me. For our first year, <laughs> <laughs> for our first year in 2011, uh, it... it it went real young. It was a 10-year-old kid named William from the YouTube series Kids React who, in their Minecraft video, um, showed himself to not just be a Minecraft fan, as many young kids are, but actually have some very intelligent things to say about game design and what's wrong with uh, most mainstream games. I was blown away by everything this kid had to say, and he, uh, he made it into our list. This year is a, a bit of a different scene. We have someone who's making their way uh, in the world of nerd music and is Today. doing doing it large. He's taking everything he's got. <laughs> and his name is Benjamin Briggs. He uh, actually started off at, once again, OC Remix as the remixer Cathodic and has been doing remixes for quite a couple of years now and has made uh, quite a name for himself. But this is the first year that he actually did a live performance that was at none other than Nerdapusa 2012. Since then, he's just been pumping out album after album, uh, like the four songs EP and Attention Deficit. Uh, and just uh, this month, uh, just for Christmas, he released uh, the album The Briggs Effect. And uh, he's just been blowing everyone away. He'll be doing another showcase at MAGFest. Uh, he is unstoppable, really. And so we just wanted to tip our hats. And congratulate Mr. Briggs for being uh, just a badass nerd. Yeah, I, I don't recall how how old Mr. Briggs is, but he is a young man, and uh, and his first show at Nerdapalooza, you know, he was uh, nervous but uh, but confident, and he delivered an incredible set. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, this guy, this guy, uh, maybe influenced by all that have come before him, is really making a stand to uh, be a force to reckon with. So, rising nerd Benjamin Briggs, we look forward to seeing what you do moving on to more of our uh, notables from the year starting with tv we were uh totally blown away by the new series gravity falls on disney oh my gosh that show is so amazing it's a tribute to twin peaks and other paranormal television uh shows and uh it's a damn beautiful artful clever show uh, one of the more recent episodes was about televangelism, but was disguised as being about psychics and then also had like some really intelligent things to tell kids about relationships. Their, uh, their Halloween special, uh, Summerween, because the show takes place entirely during a summer vacation. So it's a town, <laughs> a town that's so uh, bent that they celebrate uh, Halloween twice, once in the summer and, and uh, carve uh, watermelons. Uh, it was great. The show has some really uh, genuinely creepy moments and some really brilliant humor. In fact, Adam Warrock, nerd rapper who's the only person to uh, place on our list twice, he actually runs a podcast all about Gravity Falls. Does he? Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, have, we'll have a link to where you can check that out. Like, that's how much he loves it. He did a rap about it. This year, we also got The Legend of Korra, the sequel to Avatar, The Last Airbender, and uh, it was it set new precedents um, really in good. what could be done with uh, animation, fight choreography, background art, basically everything that an animated show could do, technically speaking, it did like we've never seen before. Um, the world was so rich, the music was gorgeous. I just wish amazing. it was written, assuming that it only had one season. Yeah, now it's got a, it's got multiple seasons, and uh, a little bit of their story fell to the wayside. But well, the uh, thing is, I thought that it was written as if it was going to have one season because it almost concluded as if it could be a standalone. It was, and then it wasn't. Yeah, like, I just don't know how they're going to continue it from the point they left it off. 
Well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, I guess we will. But but it was really amazing. I mean, the way that I figure it is, is that there is, I mean, if there was such a movement going on anyway, it wasn't just one guy causing it, you know? I mean, in the end, that's a sentiment that's been building between the benders and the non-benders. Right, mm-hmm. just killing just killing at home isn't going to end that sentiment. Yeah, there's, so, there's, I mean, ultimately, it's about unification. There's still a conflict so. there. Uh, we Unification al- Day! <laughs> we also saw Tron Uprising, the animated series based on Tron Legacy, filling the gap between the original Tron and Tron Legacy. That is a really fucking good show. It is. When, I, when, I first, when Cap first showed it to me, I was like, it looks a bit weird, it's a bit animated, really wonky, but I got into it, and it's a very serious, very heavy show. The art direction's great. It still is a little bit light on story, um, and uh, sometimes they... Just it's very make sure, mature, though. Ju- yeah, it is. It's a weird combination of mature and not. Sometimes they have needless dialogue when silence would be better. Um, but people people die, and when it happens, it's really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, we also saw the release of Star Trek: The Next Generation in HD on Blu-ray, um, and wow. Uh, if you've never seen the series, now's the time to see it. And if you love the series, you will probably want to pick these and up. And if you have a lot of money, because they're <laughs> expensive. Yeah, Br- Brandon and I saw two theatrical presentations of them and uh, purchased them immediately after. There's a, a series two, or season two is either out now or soon. I it's believe out. it's out now, yeah. So uh, seasons one and two are out so far. They even have, um, an ex- uh, for the first time ever, They've ex- extended the episode uh, from season two, The Measure of a Man, I believe it's called, mm-hmm. yes. uh, where, where Data's um, existence is put on trial as whether or not he's property. Uh, it, already one of the greatest episodes in the, in the series. Never been seen, never released. But, but, uh, but this version of it, yeah, is, is completely new. Um, they, they, had, they had more and it was, uh, they had to edit it down. And j- um, just the bonuses and the commentary and the special features make it worth it alone. Like This is one of the greatest... Um, television releases on home video ever because they they went back to the original negatives as they would treat the highest like the most revered films of their of our time went back to the negatives cleaned everything off remastered all the effects it is but it is but perfect. they did it in a way that they did not want to ruin the original vision yeah it's an artistic value that was done on it's it. it's respectful to, to the originals and incredible recently we saw the release of uh Bravest Warriors, a show by Pendleton Ward from Adventure Time, and Superfuckers, a cartoon based on the James <laughs> Kachoka comic, over <laughs> o- over on uh, Cartoon Hangover, which is a YouTube channel. They do short cartoons; uh, they're about five minutes long each, and uh, they've been releasing them weekly. They're incredible. Uh, if you love Adventure Time, you need to check out Bravest Warriors. And if you love James Kachoka or uh, or funny things with uh, with uh, poop and fucking and bodily fluids, uh, you want to check out Superfuckers. Well, that's up my alley. That's yeah, up my asshole. Right up your alley. Also, one of the one of the biggest things to happen with television this year, the Pete and Pete reunion. Yeah. Uh, as a as a prelude to the Fuck Yeah Fest Surprise, in California. Surprise! This wasn't on your top list, by the I way. I fought for it, man, but uh, <clears throat> it was it was tough. It was tough. It, I I would put it in there. I would put it in the top twenty, but uh, this is a this is a group decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so the entire cast of uh, of Pete and Pete, all the main players and some of the supporting cast, as well as the creators and directors uh, from the show, got together, did a a big. Um, uh, meet and greet, uh, live panel discussion, and uh, they they they've done a couple smaller ones before, but this is the first one where uh, Mark Mulcahy and Polaris, the band who did all the music for um for the series, who the fake, the fake band, the fake band who <laughs> never existed, did their first public performance ever. And how good were they? So good. They there played go. the entire album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic. And what's more, uh, that is not the last you've seen of Polaris. They are now a real band. <laughs> 
<laughs> it only took him how many years? Uh, about a like, about a decade, like, two decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was it was an incredibly momentous thing, and uh, uh, Pete and Pete, one of the greatest uh, young adult shows ever, uh, really deserving of the re- respect and reverence that uh, that they have now, and it was a really cool event. In movies, we saw The Amazing Spider-Man, and it kicked ass, much to our surprise. Uh, we have a microsoft we recorded about that that we'll link to. Cabin in the Woods, two, two Joss Whedon movies in a year. What are the chances? You can't really get better than two Joss Whedon movies and, in a year. Uh, and it was an incredible twist on, uh, on the old classic. It was a, a send-up to teen horror films and completely warped it. <laughs> yeah, that movie blew my mind. I loved it so much. John Carter, not Hex, uh, but the John Carter film was absolutely incredible and got completely slammed in theaters. Um, we we chalked that up to a major fail in marketing. Well, I chalked it up to the main character looking like James Franco. He's a little too pretty, but the movie itself is outstanding. And, and, uh, and I, if you haven't seen it yet, see John Carter. See John Carter for real. Um, the Hobbit came out. Um, and it was as good as everyone hoped it would be. Well, there's a, there's a win and a fail for that. There's a win and a fail. The fail is do not see the HD high frame rate version because it does that terrible thing when you, when you watch like an, a high def video and you don't change the settings in your TV and it looks kind of real time in a studio and not, not cinematic yeah, that at true, all. That true motion yeah, and shit. Yeah, everything looks fake and not cinematic. So you, if you, see you the can HD see version. through this, the special effects, am I yeah, right? Yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. that's clearly special effects on a background on this. And you're like, well, I'm not impressed. Yeah, it, it completely just disregards the magic. It just, it, yeah. the movie magic is just, it's the gone. veil is gone. The movie is great, especially 3D, but just don't and see the HD version. What's, what's interesting about this is that this isn't based on uh, that these what they're saying here. I haven't seen it yet personally, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's, it's based on experience, not... Uh, you know, not pretension of oh, it's never been that way before. It's actually, you know, it's actually it distorts everything. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't just look different and is jarring. It's like it looks it, worse it, than the Lord of the Rings. It sets the effects back a decade. Yes, because you can, because it's it's so clear and it moves so so like fast that you can see through all the fake shit to the point where you shouldn't. Disney bought Lucasfilm. Uh, whether or not that's a good thing, we can't say yet. But we are chronicling it uh, in in our our reoccurring nerdy show um, series, State of the Empire. So uh, we're excited about it, but since there hasn't really been anything real big around it, we couldn't really place it anywhere. Yeah, we, we don't it doesn't have any, we don't have anything to show for it. Just just excitement. Prometheus came out. It was a sort of a prequel sequel to uh, the Alien franchise, and it was gorgeous. And totally awful. Blue so, ass. Some of the worst writing in, uh, oh my on, God. in a highly anticipated film I've ever seen. Uh, Damon Lindelof from Lost finally pro- showed us who was responsible for Lost sucking ass at the yes. end. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, like, uh, I liked how Brian Clevenger uh, uh, reviewed it saying it was basically put a bunch of high schoolers in a uh, spaceship, pretend to give them doctorates, and just watch. <laughs> More or less, that is, that is the equivalent of the writing here. Oh my god! That Good movie. job, guys. I've never seen. There's never been a film that where I stepped out of it. There was like such a, a clear like line between people who liked it and people who just absolutely hated what about it. About Wolverine. Everybody no, everyone hated, hated, hated that. That was universal. And, that that, was universal. and, <laughs> though, and though, though this this is some of my friends who who did in fact love it that much, I would say they are just straight up in denial. 
Yes. Uh, the, because <laughs> like the people who like the Star Wars prequels, they're just in yeah. denial. The, the movie was gorgeous. Dead. It's some of the best uh, 3D I've seen and yeah. some of the best cinematography of this entire year and maybe this like last five years. But it's so the writing is so bad. It's inexcusable. Yeah. And there was shit that it was just thrown in just in, in, in it seemed like just for fan service. You know, yeah. leading up to this film, we watched the other alien movies <laughs> and there was just such a clear like these movies are so infinitely better than this utter and complete piece of shit. You know what actually is a really good fan service that directors usually don't do? Mm. Uh, good writing. That's the best <laughs> thing you can do for a fan is actually write the fucking movie well enough to respect them. That anyway. that is the the goddamn That's truth the best right fan there. Service, yeah. yeah, it is the best fan service. Seriously, this year uh, we found out that Michael Bay wanted the Ninja Turtles to be aliens, and the internet said. <laughs> Fuck you. No. Fuck you, Go sir. Go back to Fuck Mountain, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now, uh, whatever, the, the film is on indefinite hiatus and uh, the script is being thrown away. That's for the best, yeah, that it's, it's on a hiatus. Best. It's better no movie than a shitty movie. Meanwhile, the Ninja Turtles returned to comics and cartoons. Two very, very, very different uh, iterations of the Turtles. Um, but uh, my, my favorite of the two is definitely the new Nickelodeon series, which is a... Though I don't love it as much as I love the 2003 series based very heavily on the Mirage books. This one is a homogeny of all Turtle canon in a very interesting and unique way. And... Uh, if I may say, the turtles haven't been this well written as as like as teenagers and brothers in a very long time. Moving on to music, we had a steam powered giraffe exploded onto the scene. Oh man, yes. So basically, for those that don't know, steam powered giraffe are a, a trio of robots that have a kind of vaudevillian take to their music and are very uh, old timey mixed with the uh, modern pop, and it's just really it's very interesting. It's very unique, and it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, think comedy proto men. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. That'd be the, the I, I see them as the younger, uh, more amusing uh, proto men brothers. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Neskimos, uh, one of the original nerd uh, rock bands, returned and uh, debuted at Nerdapalooza. They're really good. Yes. I like them. Yeah, no, Neskimos, and they also uh, brought with them a bunch of brand new music that apparently they've just been working on the whole time. Just not releasing. <laughs> the entire VG Mix archive, a sister site to the OC Remix crowd, was released online. So uh, if you missed it when it was when it was active, now you can check out all those great tracks. Wu Tang Clan's RZA announced a collaboration with N astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. So hopefully we'll see that sometime next year. MC Lars performed at Carnegie Hall this year. The Proto Men <laughs> toured with Tenacious D and. At their Queen CD release party, Jack uh, Jack Black and uh, the Rage Cage got on stage with them to perform. Uh, there was no Rage Cage. There was no Rage Cage. No ra but but the other band, the other band members of of Tenacious D ah. were there. I was there. It was um, it was pretty great. And they, it, uh, yeah, it was pretty memorable. That'll go down as one of my top ten moments in life. Yeah, that's it, going to go down as one of the top moments I missed in my life. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was pretty awesome. They then they played uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. That he they just came out the for Bohemian thing, Rhapsody. And that was it. The only thing that marred the only thing that marred that memory for me is that I was right next to Colin when it happened. <laughs> that would pretty much put a damper on things for me. <laughs> I did have my hand on his balls. Yeah, I did not appreciate that. That was uh, not necessary. Well, you had to hit that high note. <laughs> and a, uh, a moment of silence for the death of Blipfest. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> it was too bad. Uh, Blipfest is the Chiptunes Festival, and um, now it's gone. It sounds like that the, the Japan uh, iteration might still be gone, but that's only speculation at the moment. So we also got 
Terra Lumina, which um, is actually from the same guy that brings you Symphony of Science, which is actually an entire album about science. Um, I mean, you know, that's pretty crazy. It, in fact, the, the last track is actually Ode to Pluto. So, I mean, Aww. yeah. That's adorable. Talks about being a photon. Doesn't make it a damn planet, though. Types of rocks. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you like random things from nature, there you go. I love random things from nature. <laughs> Mostly birds. Birds. So now, so now for a little bit of potpourri. This year we also got Doritos Locos Tacos. And uh, thank God. <laughs> and the Korean phenomenon that is Gangnam Style yielded some pretty nerdy parodies, most especially uh, David Lopan style. Incidentally, it was also the number two most searched for thing on Google this year, I think. <laughs> and it wow. became the most watched video ever. Ever. On YouTube. on YouTube. I hadn't heard of it until like. You know, a couple months ago. I kept thinking Gundam style was based off of the anime Gundam. It's Gungam. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize that. Everyone keeps saying Gundam style. I'm like, Gundam style? That sounds fucking amazing. If it's red, it's faster. But it's not Gundam. Okay, but there has to have already been a Gundam style. You would think. Within a week, there was a Gundam style. There are many Gundam styles. The internet still works. Gandalf style is all over the place. Is there Gungan style? Tony style? Mr. Sure, hope not. Gundam style. There probably is, though. And now we got to pay respects to those people we lost this year. Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon. He died this year. Tony Scott, famed film director, yeah. uh, took his own life or had it taken from him in a suspicious turn of events. But uh, that intrigue will never really get the answers to. Uh, probably just suicide, though. Um, Ray Bradbury, science fiction author. Uh, I mean, a career that uh, that is it will be the envy of many. Uh, yes. He he didn't die uh, without uh, no <laughs> without knowing of his fame. Yeah, no, he he went out just fine. Uh, Davy Jones from the Monkees, MC Gigahertz. Oh yeah, MC Gigahertz. Uh, he was a nerdcore rapper from the West Coast, and uh, always uh, he he <laughs> he was the godfather of absurdcore, the the genre that he invented and no one else was allowed to be in. And uh, he <laughs> went to two nerdapaloozas, and he did an amazing job at both of them. And uh, he will be solving us by the entire nerdcore community. And last, but most definitely not least, our very own Triforce Mike uh, died this year. Artist, writer, haberdasher, entrepreneur, marketing expert. <laughs> <laughs> All these things and more. Um, we wouldn't have had the uh, support drives if it wasn't for Number one Triforce big Mike. Shot. Number one big shot in Orlando this That's year. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm... Mike has so many things, and of course, if you dive back into the backlogs of Nerdy Show, you can uh, uh, love him along with all of us. And uh, and we put out uh, Triforce Mike archives, weird weird findings from Mike's past, um, every so often on the site. So uh, we'll have a link to those as well. And if you really want to break your soul, you oh can listen. God. You can listen to uh, the. Uh Trifor- the Triforce Mike tribute episode, which oh, we recorded. Man, if if you uh, do though, I'd have some whiskey on hand. It is. It, it it's makes, rough. Yeah, I might need some now. It's uh, it is painfully real that whole thing. Uh, but it was cathartic for all of us. So uh, it's either punishment for you, and it was definitely good for us to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, so all these people, um, incredible, incredible personalities. Some taken too soon. Some with lifelong legacies behind them. All true nerds. Cheers, gentlemen. I would trade George Lucas with any one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and so the song we have is from our good pal Benjamin Briggs. I talked about the Briggs effect, which just came out Christmas of this year. 
Uh, the track I'm going to be playing is Beetle Brawl from the Mega Man X series. Over at OC Remix, they're having a Grand Maverick Remix battle, kind of in celebration of the Mega Man X tribute album that went on earlier this year, Maverick Rising. So this particular track is a mashup of Magna Centipede and Boomer Quanger. And uh, it is... It's, it's Benjamin Briggs, man. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> well, enjoy that song, and then when we come back... The top five nerdy things of 2012.
Welcome back to the top five of the top 20 nerdy things of 2012. Are you ready? I'm I'm not ready. I'm ready. Number five. Oh shit, he's going to do it, Brandon, even though you're not ready. This is really, really recent. A biologist proposed to his girlfriend using DNA fragments. Is there, is there anything more nerdy than that? I hadn't even heard. Of, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, that's why it was really recent, and I saw it, and I was like, "Okay." He just kept just pulled an audible. And it's just not stuck a democracy. He can do whatever. That's right. <laughs> it is to a democracy. Mm-hmm. It was John who showed it to me. Oh well, yeah, but yeah, it was so still. that was two people. That expl- explain Which this is to me. One. How did he propose using DNA? Yeah, you can't just fucking spell letters. Yeah, is she a biologist as well, or yes. how did that work out? Yes, she is actually. She studies the rats. So tell tell me how this happened. What what happened? I, tell me the story. Tell you what he was going to do instead, but they decided that it was a horrible idea because it was completely tasteless. This was one, to actually put the ring in a rat to have her dissect. Yeah, not so not so nerdy. <laughs> DNA thing way classier. Very nerdy. Wouldn't have been on the list <laughs> if it was a rat. No, it would be hilarious. So, so what he did was he actually made up a bunch of DNA, right? And he went through PCR, which is polymerase chain reaction, to make more of it. Then he loaded up an electrophosphoresis gel, which is like, um, if, you know, CSI shows like DNA fingerprinting, the, the glowy gel stuff. Okay. Okay. Oh, the glowy gel stuff. Right. Glow- I gel love stuff. glowy gel stuff. Uh-huh. Is kind of a pain in the ass to load, actually, like to actually get that stuff to, to go properly. It's uh, kind of an acquired talent. I know, but I hate so- that shit. Whenever I it just sometimes it's just a little bit too overloaded, you know, I just and, and you know, just freezes a little bit too quickly. It hardens my carpet and the towels that I use. I know if I if I you know drip a little bit, stains everything bright orange. Yeah, weird. Yeah, but if I have a if I uh, but I can, I can find it with the uh, with my uh, black light, you know, I know what's where, where to clean. So how do you propose the DNA, John? So the point is, is that his fragments were different sizes. And as a result, it goes further or less through the gel. So they apply current. And so it actually pulls them across. So the smaller ones go further than the larger ones. So he actually figured it all out so that it would actually spell, will you marry me? Question mark. And, and it does it really well. We'll have a picture of that. You can check out um, on this episode's page. And uh, uh, I mean, Dude must have spent a lot of time doing this. I have to say, where did the, do you know where this person worked that he had access to this? Like, was it like a government lab? Was it like a private pharmaceutical Yeah, man, he's thing? wasting well, taxpayer money on this I was going to say, is it fine use of taxpayer money right now during this economy? Yeah. Well, the, the joke about it is, though, I mean, yes, of course, they, they're, I mean, what are they, like college students probably? But that's not the point. The point is PCR, there's open source projects to do that. It's like 500 bucks, let's say, with equipment, probably cheaper now. Electrophosphoresis is actually pretty easy to build. Uh, the only well, thing we want to being like the DNA fragments and, and, you know, like the chemicals, basically. The chemicals are the thing keeping you guys from making genetically engineered freak monsters to have sex with. That's, that's what it. I want. It's the chemical axis. Oh, you guys. So lofty, John. All of you. <laughs> Number four. Um, yeah, anyway, very, very, very impressive feat. And, and actually tags back to something we had in a uh, list prior. In 2010, our uh, ninth place was Fangamer did an Earthbound Fan Fest. And uh, uh, similar in a weird kind of way, they actually reprogrammed Earthbound so that um, on the wall that uh, where you see Ness's thoughts... Uh, it instead said, will you marry me? So we've had two marriage proposals, actually. Two extremely nerdy marriage proposals. Very difficult. Um, yeah. Either of those. Did we also report on the, the Chrono Trigger one? No, I don't know about the Chrono Trigger one. Please enlighten us. 
Really? The, the, there was like an entire he he redid a Chrono Trigger ROM so that when you were wandering around up to that was that the Mountain of Woe or something? Middle Ages. Yeah. Okay, yeah. guys, going after the Masa Moon. Uh huh. That whole entire path, there was like people to talk to and extra like you know words adding in that it was actually describing like his entire relationship and how they met and da da da. So like. You know, he actually had his girlfriend basically play that entire thing that ended in like the proposal. Well, I, I think Aww. I did. I think I did hear about that. That's cool. That's very impressive. I think any girl you can get to play a Chrono Trigger is a keeper anyway. Well, <laughs> that's yeah. good, good that's, job that's for him. Goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four, Operation Let's Build a Goddamn Tesla Museum is funded, and Tesla's laboratory at Wardenclyffe is saved. Fuck yes, fuck yes. Not another mini mall. Yeah, yeah. They, they were they're actually going to turn uh, turn this historic site where Tesla's um big uh, failed experiment, but uh, but also really prominent lab of his at Wardenclyffe uh, was, and there's pieces of still left. Uh, they were going to turn it into a shopping mall, and now not only is has the city of New York set aside uh, that land as a historical place. Um, needed funding to do that, uh, but it's going to actually form a Tesla museum, and it was quite overfunded. So this is going to be uh, a big deal. It's going to be so a, good. A very good thing. And you can see the birthplace of Atomic Robo. Yes, you can. It was actually powered by the webcomic The Oatmeal. That I didn't, entire I didn't know that. project. Huh. Which incidentally raises its nerdiness even more. Yeah, that's very very cool. Number three, Sphero's True AR. Now, yes. back in 2009, as I mentioned earlier, we did list augmented reality as, uh, as one of the top 20 nerdy things, just as it was breaking onto the scene. Uh, however, that was number 11 in 2009, if you're keeping track. However, though it's out there and it's bi being built and there's lots of people working on it, uh, it's been very hard to get it right. It's been very hard to move uh, virtual objects around in a real 3D space. It's been very difficult to figure out how to do these things. Without the jitters. Right. Well, um, it's all, because most things need a glyph. It's so that the camera can recognize where that, uh, where the virtual item is supposed to go in the real world. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been really hard to create the hardware needed to do this. So you may, you may be familiar with Sphero, the robot ball company. It's a, it's a ball. It's a little robot ball, and it changes colors, and you can roll it around, and it's just meant to be a fun ball. They have a, they release a bunch of free apps that you can play different games with it and all that. And you, you control it with your phone. You control it with your phone. <clears throat> um, and it's all very interesting, though, because the, like, Hex and I actually saw it at BlurCon. I mean, that was the first I'd really heard of that, and it's just like a really novel kind of an idea because it was like we wanted to take the ball, which is arguably like the you know, oldest toy ever, practically, and we wanted yeah. to like, bring it into the modern era. Yeah. So... You know, they wanted basically to develop like tons and tons and tons and tons of different things you could do with it. So, you know, you can bounce balls, you can roll balls around, you you do all sorts of things with balls, kids. Yeah. <laughs> which is which so, is a neat idea, but uh, all the same, Sphero, you know, you look at it, you're like, well, it's a robot ball. Yeah, and when, we, so, and, when Cap and, and myself and yeah. Matt Spill, we went to uh, E3 this, this what, year. What I was going to say was, you know, so what? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and Well, and that was my exact take on it, because at the time, they hadn't developed anything for it. So you right. could basically just roll it around. It was like, okay, whatever, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool, but okay. And then we went to E3 this year, and we saw that same tech, and we were like, okay, this is this cool. And they, he was using it as a controller and all the different things that it, that yeah, it could you, do. Yeah, because you can... Cause which is novel and they, interesting. They've been uh, they've been actually uh, sort of figuring out new innovative ways to use their own hardware. You can use Sphero as as a 
uh, a controller for games on your phone. So if you're in the car, you can you, you can you know use this Firo to tilt the thing around and play like certain kinds of like spaceship games and stuff. It's cool. But then they blew our socks off. They, they showed us um, they showed us something that uh, hadn't previously been uh, um, reported on, uh, which was that they figured out a way to use Sphero as the perfect um, AR. I don't know what the actual what the correct phrasing would be for, but an AR indicator. Um, glyph. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. the, the ball is the glyph. Now, you'll have to explain to me why that is amazing. <laughs> well, it, what's actually really interesting is is that they, because the ball actually has a fully operational gyroscope and accelerometer package inside of it, as well as it can light up, it, 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 it's basically like the perfect glyph against any background. And in addition to that, it can actually compare the gyroscopes in your phone versus the gyroscopes in there and tell which way you're facing and which way it's facing. Because, I mean, otherwise it's just a ball, right? Like it doesn't have any Spiro knows where it is on the ground and your phone knows where it is on the ground and that allows them to do anything in between right that basically turns the Sphero into an avatar that functions within 3d space and this avatar can move um and and go far away and get smaller and turn around and it, it knows what's up like it it's a it is a fully realized augmented reality Avatar. Yeah, something that has not previously ever existed. And so did in they a way accidentally which, discover this? No, no. I mean, like they, apparently they uh, hired somebody that um, worked out the algorithm to make this work, um, and it's patented and all that kind of stuff. And that's what they were talking to us about at E3 was this sort of stuff. But the and, and if you want to see an early demo of what they were working on when they showed us at E3, we've got that link to that on this episode's page. Yeah, and it was and it was in, it was incredible what we saw and um it was just but it was just a 2D dragon that kind of traveled across the the show floor. But this uh the way that this works is Sharky the Beaver is a three-dimensional fully uh interactive Sharky the Beaver is a free augmented reality app for Sphero. You you buy the ball, you get it for free, you can play it. And John and I had a chance to play it uh over the holidays actually. And it's nuts. Um the, what can you do with it? Well, it, it's a it's a very simple concept. Well, sure. I mean, it's the, it's the first of right. its kind. Is it like uh, a Tomagotchi? And that, that's actually, I'd say, the only drawbacks to a lot of what they do is that, like, you know, it's the first that they keep trying to move forward, but, like, they kind of just, well, you know, they have space out. They have this so. uh, out. Uh, basically, Sharky, then. Sharky the Beaver is a cartoon beaver with a lot of personality who um, at the phone superimposes over the Sphero, not just like that he's drifting over the ground, but actually walking with his legs in pace with the ball, turning all around, moving in the environment, like going behind it. So you're it moving the ball and it's it's actually right. on the thing is moving the beaver. Yeah. yeah. And it looks he, 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 he walks behind a table. He disappears. He comes out from behind the table leg. He you know he reappears. Um, and in the the game you play with him is basically seeing how many cupcakes you can feed him. And uh, you, you, f you flick cupcakes onto the screen and ba because of the ball, the cupcakes actually know where the ground is and bounce along the ground. And the ball then using its, the program, the ball without any control from you goes after the cupcakes. Wait, it moves on its own? Yes. Oh, this is like Skynet shit. It's becoming sentient and it's moving to get it, fake objects. It's a really simple game, but it's so high on our list because it is the first of its kind. It, it is augmented reality. True augmented reality. It's not bullshit. Because John is constantly going on between the differences of augmented reality versus, what is it, virtual reality? Yeah. Well, there's virtual reality, there's augmented reality, but then there's also different ways, of course, getting across those. My main problem is that a lot of things use, like, bullshit AR, I guess you could say, like... 
I mean, even this one, it's responding to a glyph. So, I mean, like, there's still something about this. Um, in fact, Minecraft is actually partnered with somebody that um, they did a demo, basically, where you can drop Minecraft-created objects in the real world, and that actually uses nothing but environmental um, factors to actually... In other words, it kind of turns the real world into the glyph. It works and like so it actually a, uses the environment to embed it along with compass and GPS heading. Yeah, it uses all that, so and also kind of like a, a like how you take a panoramic photo, and it it turns the environment into a glyph. So if you have this program open, it can you can see a Minecraft object coming out of an island target. For cool. example, can I walk up to a real tree and punch it? But then on my screen, I get wood from it because I've just punched a real tree. Not no, yet. but that, that would certainly come in the you know next couple of years. <laughs> uh, but but Sharky is basically a very polished crowning achievement of what can be done with uh, on mo modern tech. Yeah, with modern tech, and uh, it, it's it's really really cool. Um, if you have a Sphero and and it's been collecting dust, you you need to check this out. And but if, you need an iPhone to control it. Well, you do. Maybe an Android too. Or something probably, with they something probably that can handle Android, apps. You can't, you know, just get the yeah, Sphero. Yeah, but I mean, that's what most modern tech is going to be based on: is the smartphone platform or Google Glasses in the future. Okay. Um, Which incidentally was also announced this year. Announced, but not not out. So we'll see how that goes. No. Number two. Number two is Telltale's Walking Dead game. Holy fuck! Yes. Oh. There's a reason this game is so high up, folks. Yeah, you know, ba back at E3, because um, the show was a disappointment. The the third season oh. is uh, is doing really well, but uh, but this game, it is, at as of this moment, it is my favorite piece of the Walking Dead uh, multimedia tapestry. I like it more than the comics right now. <laughs> like that's that's how good it is, and it's it's based in the comics universe. We saw this thing at E3, um, and it it blew our minds because uh, it was it's a point and click adventure like we've never seen before. And one of the reasons on this list is that it took a, a, a game format that seemingly couldn't go anywhere and did something totally new with it and, uh, and used the point-and-click medium to create some of the most advanced storytelling, interactive storytelling that the world has ever seen. It's really funny because I've only been playing the, the first episode for like one or two hours, and it's already completely different than yours. Like half of my characters are already going to die, the ones that you like have for so long. Uh, in many ways, the character threads are, are more complex than Mass Effect. Uh, the consequences mm. are, are certainly uh, a very more, they're very personal. They're yes, very, yeah. and they're very real. And, yeah. and, and um, the thing that, that this game uh, I thought was so interesting was the fact that the, the addition of the timer, yeah, which is huge. It, I had no idea how important that fucking timer was. It, it makes you make realistic decisions in realistic time. So it's like someone asks you a question and these options come up, but then suddenly this bar starts going down. You're like, oh shit, which one should I pick? It's you can't like go back and change it. You have to you have to pick. Right. Yeah, it's and, your gut reaction. And, and yeah. if you if you fuck up and don't answer, that on it, in itself is a response, which I like Silence to do. Silence is a response. Yeah, it, it, the game, and, and again, we talked about how Journey was won for the Video Game Awards, how that went won on Sony. The Walking Dead won as the best video game of two, 2012. Really? Over, over everything. <laughs> everything. Over Halo 4, Assassin's <clears throat> Creed 3, um, uh, Dishonored, everything. It Walking Dead, the video game, That's pretty amazing. beat it. Yeah, yeah. There's and, no way it beat Madden. Madden's thing ever. <laughs> well, and, all the Call of Duty games that came out. You know, what's yeah. funny about it is, you know, we know Telltale. We've interviewed them a lot of times in the past. And, oh, and Richard Igo. And, and, and Colin loves Richard Igo. Um, <laughs> Colin had a, a weirdly romantic dream about Richard Igo once. Um, I hope he's listening to uh, this. I hope he is too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's up? Um, so we, uh, 
uh, you know, we're familiar with them. They've made some fun games in the past. Uh, Back to the Future was, uh, I, was I think pretty it's, good. it's good. It's yeah. good. It, it, its reception was uh, kind of mixed, but, you know, it, it did Back to the Future game probably as best as anybody could have. Yeah. The Jurassic Park game was a, it was a noteworthy Abysmal failure. failure. Uh, but Walking Dead has changed everything, and my God, I'm so excited for the Fable game coming out. Oh, man. Have they announced it? I don't think they have. It's still kind of in, it's, but I mean, they're we know they're seriously working. When yes. you say fable, you mean the comic? Yeah, the comic. Okay. Bill Willingham's fable. Yeah, so just clearing it up for the people at home. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. But the <clears throat> yeah, but getting back to the Walking Dead right. game, we saw this thing and we thought we you know we knew we knew what we were watching was incredible. Yeah, and we weren't certain that anyone was gonna pick up on this. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am that this game is not an obscure gem. That it is literally. Like at the top, it's one of the best selling games of the year, I would imagine. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly, oh, yeah, like everybody's played it. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about it is that it's only like 20 bucks. Yeah. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Yeah. This, this incredible gaming experience. And it's now like I have five to say, episodes, right? now I have to say, yeah. though, each episode is between like two to three hours long of gameplay. And so you have five episodes of two to three hours long of gameplay. So it's between 10 and 15 hours, maybe 16 hours of gameplay. So it's it's relatively short. But for 20, 20 bucks, I mean, that you can't beat that. No. And, and it's not perfect. This game is not perfect. I mean, there was uh, there was a time when I was playing episode three and there was a glitch that sent we were on a train and the camera went underneath the train <laughs> and we were I was just watching the bottom of the trees go by <laughs> and I couldn't move my character. I couldn't do anything, but I, I had to just restart that uh, one little spot and I just went back to where I had previously auto saved. And so but it wasn't a huge problem. But the game, even though of these these glitches and even game breaking glitches that I experienced, <laughs> it is one of the greatest video games that i have ever experienced and i would rate it up with um my nostalgia not just the game but my nostalgia for like games like earthbound and uh secret of mana and <clears throat> chrono trigger like that's how much i enjoy this game it is a truly um in insane experience in gaming like there's uh, uh by by being able to compare it to those like lofty um, many hour experiences, it does something that no one's seen before. It is it is really interactive storytelling uh, at the threshold of what can be done now, right? Um, uh, which is a testament to both the game design and the script writing and the voice acting. Yeah, the the vo the voice acting is incredible. The writing is incredible. How the fact that that you can make a decision, a gut decision. It's not just a. It's not a where Mass Effect where you have you can sit for ten minutes and really pace in the room where Matt Spill like he was deciding whether or not he wanted to destroy the Geth or rewrite their programming. He, uh -huh. he you know he he paced in his room. He said for a half an hour. You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot do that with this no, game. There's no. Pause so I mean on like that. but like you make a decision. A, swit, a split second gut decision of whether or not you want somebody to be to live or to die and it will and affect choose everything one of those two and, from then on and exactly and, you, and in fact there's even more gray areas because you can do something that just you're just social uh just social interactions with people that just make people hate you for some reason depending on how how it goes down yeah um it could have positive or negative effects later on it just if somebody if somebody likes you a lot that could get them killed. Yeah. If if they hate you, they might stay alive. Right. Or they might want you to die. You yeah. know. Or like who you give food to. Like I mean, like that was that's a huge part of the game is like what characters you decide to give food to because you don't have enough food for everyone, and so you have to pick. Mm -hmm. And like it's a re it's like it feels like real world choices that you're making in this in this in this virtual environment. It's 
Uh, it's as it's if amazing. it was happening to you yes. and what you would do. Even though the character is uh, a very, spe- Lee is a very specifically, you know, a black man who has, has this backstory. You feel like you have stepped into his shoes and truly are living his life. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, it's 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 an an amazing game, and the way that in which this uh this game has actually been delivered to the uh, populace is actually being discussed as to whether or not um, yeah, chapter based game chapter based gameplay is discussed whether or not that's the future of gaming. And it is a download only, which is another the, great the, thing. There's a disc they have released. Oh, a they disc. have with all yes. five episodes. Yes, yes, they have. But uh, but the future of gaming could potentially be. Uh, this chapter-based gaming, which is could be positive and negative depending on what company. Well, I, I think it depends least, on the style. Yeah, of game. at the very it'll least, it'll be, it'll be a part of gaming. It, it, yeah. the, the success of this game <clears throat> has very much sealed the deal that people will be trying this out. Right. And you know, of course, like you know, huge companies are going to be you know trying to suck as many people dry as possible, but and not you know, in a good way. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but at a $20 <clears throat> price point, I mean, this thing is, you, you just can't, you, if you do not have this game yet, it's available for every system possible. It's available for PC. It's available for the Xbox 360. It's available for the PS3. Is it on the Wii? No. Oh, not every system possible. I mean, come on. The Wii but, can't well, actually, Honestly, I don't know that it isn't. <clears throat> uh, it might be. It, might it, be. it very well might be. But whatever the case, you need to buy it. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you need got- to buy it. Because it's it's worth it. It's it's worth it. Is Even if you don't it. like video games, you should check it out. Yeah, it's it's for everybody. Or I mean, if you're I, a fan of Walking Dead, you should also. check Oh it my out. god! Yeah. Yes, because yes. it's better than anything you've experienced. And it's not exactly the story of Walking Dead. How the television show kind of goes along the same story of Rick it's, Grimes. It's it's, it's, it's in the world, set the comic, in the world, but it's but completely it's different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I play this game. I play this game with my wife. Like she is not a huge video game player, but we will sit together and we experience the game together. Um, the two of us making the decisions when we can, um, when it's you know we have enough time to make the decisions with the two of us uh, conversing back and forth. But uh, it's an experience uh, of a medium that has not been previously um, had yeah. in, in this in this uh, in this generation. It's it's incredible. We're at the end of December here, and so we got to give some shout outs to the people who supported us um, this December uh, before we before we do our, our number one. Uh, you know, this is a listener supported podcast. We couldn't exist without you guys. And uh, thank you guys so uh, much. We, we got we have monthly costs um, yeah. that, that we need to keep uh, the Minecraft server alive, to keep our hosting up, to, to keep production going. And uh, and you guys help us meet that every month, and also help us with stretch goals. Yeah. Uh, this time around, uh, we uh, we had a stretch goal to uh, to get some boom mic stands, so we won't have uh, any noise from the table anymore. Because we really uh, we borrowed a couple for our recent D and D recording, and uh, it was awesome. So um, <laughs> so you guys helped us pick up three of those as well, just to you know conti- continually improve your listening experience. So I want to give a shout out to Hugh O'Donnell, Kyle Calder, Elizabeth Connard, Arceus, Viral Demon, Muckraker. Zombie Pops, Maxicree, Brent Burchard, Chris Sutton, Cassie Muldrow, Hoodoo Voodoo, and Big Bad Shadow Man. Elizabeth Connard said she's a total D&D addict. Arceus made a very generous contribution and said, Have a glorious Mega Chris Mahana Kwanzaa Madon, or Mega Cruncha Mahanu Kwanzaa Madon for some of you. I don't want to exclude anyone. Thanks for another year of phenomenal entertainment. And as my gift to the community, I secede my microsode to the next donor. You know, every hundred dollars nice. that people donate in the monthly totals, you can choose a microsode topic for us to discuss for fifteen to thirty minutes. Right. He he did he he made it consciously made that that goal and said next person to donate gets it. He is great. Yeah. He's a great guy. And the person stand up chap that yep, our case. Mm-hmm. indeed. The person who claimed it was Viral Demon uh, said, saw there might be a microsode <laughs> for the taking. <laughs> Viral uh, Demon has so many. Microsodes. He has so many microsodes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, saw there might be a microscope for the taking. Haven't gotten one for a while, so I thought I might see if I could snatch it up. And the one he chose was regular show based on how much he liked our Adventure Time episode. Nice. Um, Muckraker said, uh, happy holidays and a microsode to the next donor. Taking the gift giving keeps on going. Nice. Um, and, uh, and viral demon picked up the, <laughs> no. uh, Max Cree jumped in there. Um, right. we even had a microsode from Max, but unfortunately oh. he didn't make it. Oh yeah. It was too bad. Who got it? Um, it was actually a uh, zombie pops. He, oh, he hey, went, well, I like zombie pops. Yep. Cool and, and, and as, as a result, we're and going to be talking Louie. about cyberpunk. Nice. Yep. Um, and uh, Max Cree, however, he um, he wanted a 007 microsode, specifically dealing with the codename <sighs> theory, which was uh, a wet dream for Matt Spill and I. Oh. Um, but uh, maybe maybe later, maybe next time, maybe <sighs> maybe in January, yeah, maybe. we'll be able to score that one. I, I sure hope so. I cannot. I want to talk about that yeah. big time. Uh, Rip Richard said, uh, "This is for the awesome episode of Dungeons and Doritos. Huge fan of the B team. I re-listened to the episode immediately afterwards because it was so funny. Wow." <laughs> Uh, Chris Sutton said, in thanks for the real congregation. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Cassie Muldrow said, I'm severely missing all the RPG goodness. It has been dry in December. We've been. had a lot of uh, schedule hiccups. Um, but uh, she said, I hope that we'll have D&D, um, uh, All Nerds Must Be Eaten, and Ghostbusters on the way soon. Uh, and the answer is D&D in January, fingers crossed. D&D um, in January. Working towards the, uh, uh, the, the uh, book two finale. And uh, hopefully some Pokeballs in there soon afterwards. Uh, All Nerds Must Be Eaten, I can't speak for. It's a, it's a fan-created podcast, so that's up to the fans to, uh, to get that together. Um, but as soon as there is one, it'll be, it'll be up. And Ghostbusters, I think it's pretty safe to say we could see the second season of Ghostbusters Resurrection in January. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, I know Doug said he, he finished a preliminary edit of the first episode recently. So I think, excellent. I think we're going to go. And there are already many episodes recorded in the whole. So uh, Hex- Excellent. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> uh, we had a, a very generous contribution from Kyle Calder. Very, very generous. He said, Merry Christmas, crew. Enjoy the mic stands. Oh, we will. Um, and... <laughs> As a result, he is now a new honorary producer of Nerdy Show. Hoodoo Voodoo sent us just a really heartfelt letter to the show. This is his first time supporting us. Thank you. He said, I've been a listener since Brian's first referral from NuclearPower.com. And this is finally paid off. Finally. We got one. We got one. (laughs) This has been my go-to place for nostalgia and my many broad contemporary interests. Uh, I make time to listen to every podcast, primary, secondary, and guest, and I struggle to think of something you guys cover that I don't find relevant or bask in, like a perpetually immolated moth that smells terrible. I'm sad. Uh, I'm sad that I don't make more money to be able to support you guys as often as I'd like, but damn it, you keep striking gold. I'll do my best to pay to see more of it. I long one day to have the time and money to make it down to Nerdapalooza or a comic shop and finally shake the hands of the many people whose voices I've grown accustomed to hearing. I love you guys. Aww. Don't don't feel bad. I don't even make enough money to support us. And that's terrible. <laughs> so I mean don't feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you so much, man. It's it's uh I mean, and we we love heartfelt letters from everybody and, and uh we love you too. So yeah, this is uh absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And finally, Big Bad's Shadow Man said, uh Happy day when people give you stuff. This is on Christmas. Uh, here's some money from your interdimensional friend, the Big Bad Shadow Man. Nice. Yay. Money is a good gift. Yeah, guys, seriously, uh, 2012 has been a, a very uh, difficult and interesting year yeah. uh, for Nerdy Show. And um, we and are... For one- all of us individually as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And for Nerdy Show and for... I mean, obviously, you know, we, we, you know, we create the show and for when we have 
uh, turmoil in our lives. Obviously, the show sometimes the show suffers for it, um, but um, the show would not exist without you guys, and we are so grateful for all the things that you guys have done for us in this wonderful uh, in this in this year. Yeah, and it's we, been fantastic. We have fun doing it, but it is an uphill battle, and uh, and we want to we want to keep doing it for as long as possible because we love interacting with all you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for making this, uh, making this happen, everybody. And, uh, and look forward to 2013. Um, Man. yeah, we've, we've got a lot, we have a, we've, we've got a lot of things, uh, locked in for 2013 and, uh, you're going to see a new nerdy show website. You're going to see, um, a new, uh, a new schedule, a new weekly schedule and, uh, and hopefully a lot more, even more awesome nerdy show programming. Yeah. Um, also, uh, one more thing, you know, we got the D and D score right. is available on Bandcamp, and, yes. and all the the proceeds go to uh, the composers and furthering the production of the score for D and D. Recently, Malron uh, purchased uh, some uh, some Mal-ron! of the tracks. It's all it's all pay what you want. I uh, love you, Malron. You can you can get it for free if you want, <laughs> but if you if you pay what you want, it, all the proceeds go. My number one son, Ma- my, Mal-ron, number, my Mal-ron. number one son, Malron. I love him. <laughs> Uh, he said, "Unicorn chin." <laughs> uh, great, great work, guys. Love what the music adds to the show. So yeah, thank you very much, dude. Thanks, Maron. And now the number one top nerdy thing of 2012: the discovery of a particle consistent with the Higgs boson. Why what? that sounds confusing and weird? What the <laughs> hell is that? Um, a little bit of background uh, in extreme layman's terms. Um, which John will then jump in and uh, correct me a whole bunch, I'm sure. And confuse the fuck out of me. Uh, and we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll do our best to explain this. This is one of those science things that trumps all. Like It's, it's true. When, it, when we came down to comparing all the things, we just like, oh God, this is really important. The Higgs boson particle is referred to as the God particle. It is, uh, in, in theory, uh, the particle that started the universe, more or less. And, uh, and using CERN, the, uh, the particle collider, we have uh, our particle accelerator. We have not blown up. We have, we have we have not blown up. We have not created a black hole. But we have, however, managed that to I- that that we know of. Um, they we, start off small, so you never know. <laughs> we've been able to identify this long theoretical particle. Uh, it was contested for a while, but as of this recording, uh, everyone's pretty goddamn certain that's what it is. Oh, I have an update on this, by the way, that you don't know about. Oh, you know how they've been searching for this particle forever? Uh huh. They found a different one. They actually are two completely different types of Higgs boson particles. Oh, fuck me. And they did not expect that, and they do different things. Wow. Ta-da! Just a little update for you. The yin and yang of the universe. So now they suspect that there may be several, and they're not sure, that may exist in different spots and different places. Holy shit. Yep. There you go. Wow. Wow. Well, well, John, uh, (laughs) care to elaborate? I don't know anything about that. (laughs) We'll just talk mainly about the Higgs boson, then. Excellent. So... So this thing's a little bit important because it actually is responsible for everything having mass at all. So weight, why anything comes together, gravity ultimately as a byproduct of mass. Where does this where does this fit into the big picture things? You know, we we got we got atoms, we got protons, neutrons. Yeah, uh, I got them electrons and the neutrons right. and the protons. They kind of move in circles and, and they one's they, negative, one's positive, one's they, neutral. You know, be, beyond that, quarks, that's all that matters. I guess. And uh, is it is it somewhere in there or is it a, adjacent to that? You know, quarks it is, is a subatomic particle, so it's below the level of protons, neutrons, and electrons. Is it smaller than um, a quark? It's in all that crazy bullshit where they just start talking about flavors and spin, and you're just really confused. Are you talking about Doritos? Flavors and spin? <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's like all the way down. 
Oh, wow. So we're talking, this is like the base Dorito. This is the, the regular old corn chip. Well, the other ones are, you know, we got nacho cheese. This goes we got below, cool ranch. It's like below flavors. So, so what you're saying this is goes all the way to the corn. So oh, if we wow. learn if we learn how to harness this particle, can we in effect manipulate reality as we know it? Do you mean can we create mass fields? Yes. Can mass we effect fields? Yeah, can we create mass effects? Um if we could manipulate it, we probably could actually make mass effects, although it would probably also kill us. Yeah. Also <laughs> with any good thing. Nice. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all really, really, really crazy, though, because, I mean, like, the standard model, the basic reigning king of all of physics and theories and how everything goes together, had predicted that this had to exist, but nobody could find it, and now they have. And so now that means that the theory is actually, you know, even more substantiated. So it's even more solid, more real. You know, all the crazy faces are like, oh, it's just a theory. Well, fuck you. So, will, <laughs> will this prove or disprove string theory? Um, I guess in a way it would actually work against string theory. What? Oh, fail. Well, because string theory is, you know, an alternate description, but apparently we don't really necessarily need it right now because things are working out reasonably well, minus the massive elephant in the room of dark matter and dark energy. Which we still haven't figured out. Which we still haven't figured out. The We're getting closer. That is, is that based on the way that the universe is moving and expanding and all that stuff, it's like most of the matter that should be there isn't. Wow. Okay, so, so we have no idea where it is or what it is, and so that's why it's dark. We, now, we can't see it. John, here's my question to you: Why does why does why do I care? Why the fuck does this matter? <laughs> does the world hold? Mm-hmm. You, because it is everything that you are. Nothing, the, no molecules or upper level anything would be able to be possible without this one particle that they've discovered. And ultimately, this is this is the. Um, <clears throat> This is super science. Okay. This is this is practical super science. They collided molecules together until they tore open a hole in the universe and proved uh, a theoretical element of the Big Bang happened. Uh, it is one of the you know there's very little in the world that actually comes to to comparison with the things that we dream up in science fiction. This is one of them. It just so happens that it's not as theatrical as it would be in science fiction because it's so small. You know what this reminds me of? Has anyone seen the show Evangelion? Sure. Because they describe this thing called an AT field, which even humans have in it. It's the field that bonds everything together. So, so it's the force. Yeah, without, so it, force. without it, your atoms would just, you know, drift apart. So is the Higgs boson the thing that just makes everything bonded together, like on the atomic level, supposedly? Well, close enough. You know, I mean, the Earth's atoms don't drift. Forces. There's the strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism um, that, you know, are, are responsible. But the Higgs is actually, like, below those. Mm. So we can make a super weapon out of it to destroy planets is what you're saying. Well, you know, except for the fact that the only way to actually get to the Higgs particles is to, you know, have a particle accelerator. For now, yeah. Well, and what's, also, you know, the LHC. It's an important part of, uh, of sci-fi in a lot of ways because of the, um, speaking of particle accelerators, uh, in the Ghostbusters video game, the, you know, the uh, legit sequel to Ghostbusters 2, um, one of the enhancements that they have for their proton packs is actually a Higgs boson dart, which effectively acts as an ectoplasmic shotgun. Um, <laughs> we, the viability we, of which 
God knows, but right, right. But um, but all the same, they have particle accelerators strapped to their backs, and they're firing Higgs boson darts, um, which is really really cool. And now we've got some Classy. substantiated facts to make Ghostbusters all the more legit. Um, <laughs> we, we all the way ahead of its time. We recently Ghostbusters, spoke with. Um, they predicted it, didn't they? <laughs> we recently spoke with Stephen Grenade yeah. when we were at uh, GMX. GMX in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and we asked him specifically about uh, about the practicality of boson darts, which is pretty cool. If you want to check that out, it's at our uh, GMX episode. Um, we also talked to him about uh, about time cube theory in a microscope. <laughs> check out that microscope. So, it's it's so a the, good one. The funny thing is that they discovered the Higgs boson, which which will help prove um, and and determine which direction science should go. You know, in the study of this. But at the same time, like I was saying earlier, they just discovered a different Higgs boson particle. So now it's making them rethink about everything they just did, which yeah. is hilarious. It's great. Yeah. This is, this is um, I mean, this is number one because it is, it is the threshold of science right here. It We're is. in Brave New World, man. Yeah. Going mm -hmm. deeper. Well, just remember, if the, like, super, super, super crazy large collider that they had wanted to build in Texas had ever been finished, then we probably would have been here much sooner and we'd be able to do a whole lot crazier shit because yeah. it was crazy big that's true and now it's just sitting there filled with sand <laughs> you know i'm just thinking Thank of America. like all the effort it took to make the atomic bomb and the hydrogen bomb imagine what you could do with a higgs boson bomb if you could make one out of it i just well i think the real cue would be i mean what if you removed the higgs boson what if you could create <laughs> a field where it didn't exist everything <laughs> would just fly apart Let's just destroy the universe well, and, and create a new one. And hopefully, it's like a disintegration hopefully that field wouldn't expand. Back. How would you contain such a field? <laughs> you well, it didn't even be possible in the first place. I'm sure these are questions that, you know, the year 3000 will bring. Yeah. Either way, this is the top 20 things of 2012. Uh, it has been quite the journey this whole year. Um, ups and downs, highs and lows, but uh, but we've made it. We're, we're, uh, we're, here we all, are. We're, we're all here together, safe. We did it. Well, we're, we're not all here. Well, we're all here listening to here. Oh, okay. You know, this, 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 this. All um, the people who are here are here. Yes. Yes, that is true. All of us together. So, uh, what do you got for us, X? Uh, since uh, we're talking about the Higgs boson, I think there's only one song. Well, there are several songs we could probably close on, but this one is probably the most nerdy. Uh, there is a particle physicist and professional composer named Domenico Vicinazza. He works in Cambridge, England, with the delivery of advanced network technology to Europe, also known as Dante. <laughs> and he composed a 42-second bit of music that is a sonified version of the Higgs boson particle. Holy fuck. Wow, that's amazing. He basically he took the subatomic particle and he took uh, the data that associate with the the particle itself and he made numeric values which translated into musical notes wow all right that's really cool <laughs> uh, yeah he did this with the team uh a week after um the higgs boson was uh discovered at cern and so uh the track itself is called higgs boson atlas and it's uh it sounds uh, Domenico uh, Vicinas, the composer, says it sounds a lot, uh, sounds like a Cuban habanera, but this is a classical incidence. It's basically, it, it, it's, it's got a kind of jaunty feel to it. Nice. <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Hex. Bye, I'm Brandon. Bye, I'm John. Bye, I'm Colin. See you next year. Yeah.
Burton for listening to this week's episode of Nerdy Show. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to send them to info at nerdyshow.com. For more episodes of Nerdy Show, Dungeons and Doritos, comics, videos, and more, go to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe, Mr. Burton, to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes store. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Nerdy Show or friend us on Facebook. We're not brought upon this world to get it, Mr. Burton. If you enjoyed what you heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend, or better yet, give us your money, Mr. Burton, by visiting the Nerdy Show and picking up a t-shirt or donate directly for cool nerdy perks, Mr. Burton. Perks, Mr. Burton. I will bring you to the Hall of the Upside Down Sinners where you'll be skinned alive!